Welcome to the show. And uh, this is the EricSwanRacing.com podcast number 53 or 54. I lost track. Um, but this is your first one, you said? Yeah. And I got Will Wildner yep. on today. We met a couple years back at the racetrack at a wear event. And, Club uh, Racing. Club Racing. And, uh, you know, I actually <laughs> might go to Cart to Cart tonight. Oh, yeah? They have a, uh, the first night of the Summer Racing League. Okay. It's not summer yet. But, uh, you know, it's April, May 4th Some, already. Some days in Michigan, it's summer. You Feels know. like it. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to talk to you. You're a big supermoto guy, big mini-moto um, racer guy. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of took up the reins with the Great Lakes Supermoto stuff. I mean, MI Supermoto kind of died out, um, you know, so taken up. I'd much rather just show up at the track and, and ride and... But, to do it so so it's an uh, organization yeah yeah great lake supermoto is uh the organization that i'm running all okay. of the you know we're trying to run it as a business now instead of just a friends club right like yeah. it's been in the past so hopefully that'll facilitate everything running smoother you know what i mean and sure you know, hopefully i got a partner in it my buddy josh is helping me run everything too so yeah between the two of us maintaining the website, you know, we got the website too, so we're trying to sell some mini moto and supermoto related products. Um, you know, I got my business, it's a machining business as well. Okay. So I'm always making bike parts when I'm not busy making money sure. doing <laughs> doing tool and die kind of jobs, you know. So So uh it's uh track days for mini bikes, is that correct? Mini bikes and supermotos, full-size supermotos we do as well, so like up to 450s okay. or 690s, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, um, so we're transitioning, you know, at cart to cart, like you were talking about, from the winter stuff that we do up there. That's all like 50 and 110 chassis based for the most part. Mm. Um, so now we're going into big bike stuff, which most of the tracks are kind of big for a 50, you know, and you spend the whole time in third gear wide open there. So. Yeah, just bouncing off the rev limiter. Yeah, you know, it works if you want to go for a big bore kit, I guess. But <laughs> So uh, the mini the mini bikes, I'm looking at actually buying one fairly soon. Um, okay. I'm, I think I'm going to get a, a CRF 50 or an XR 50, something like that, and um, and just uh, put some, they put street tires on it, change the handlebars up a little bit, maybe get a lap timer, and you're good to go. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, actually, this past year, so everybody was running these Midas, like, super sticky race tires. Proud work, I'm sure. Um, anyway, so everybody was running sticky Midas race tires that yeah. were, like, 80 bucks a set. You can have a water if you like. I'm going for one of these Mandela ones. Sure, no problem. Want one? Yeah, I'll take one. Um, so anyway, everybody is what ordering those the past couple of years. Thank you. And, uh found out from some buddies that came from Canada that Shinko actually sells a white wall tire oh, yeah. that grips like crazy indoors and it's like a third of the price. So What's the downside? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it wears it wears fast, so for like outdoor stuff it doesn't really work, but the indoor stuff... On the smooth surface it's yeah, a little bit better? it grips like crazy. Okay. The downside is if you don't like white wall tires... Yeah. The visual <laughs> of it, I guess? Yeah, that's the downside. It's a cultural thing, right? That used to be a big thing back in the day. All the old cars had white walls, mm -hmm. and I think um, maybe it wasn't until they actually started dyeing the tires, or the, or the color dyes, when they started to be black. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's maybe right. I, no I don't have idea. a guy to look it up. So yeah, just look that up, Jamie. Right? <laughs> Need Jamie around here. Yeah, it'd be nice, but it's all I can do. Look it all up in post production, so I can cut it like. Yeah, look at perfect. this, you know. <laughs> Put the screen in. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's all very low editing quality at this point. Um, I just basically put it together. I don't cut anything out. I just leave it all as raw. Yeah. People like the raw. I mean, I'm not trying to be someone I'm not, right? Yeah, for sure. That's kind of why I was like, I don't know. I don't have a script or anything. Yeah, I don't. I have no notes. Like, you know, I looked you up on Instagram a little bit and trying to, you know, dig a little bit, but I'm um, not writing writing an article on you right now. You know. Yeah, for sure. So. No, I just was like, hey, if I can get the word out about the mini stuff and get some more people coming out, you know, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of growth the last year with the. I mean, with COVID, um, it was kind of hard to get stuff going. I did a lot of OMRL racing last okay. year because I didn't have tracks around here weren't open in Michigan, you know. Um, so I did a ton of racing with OMRL, which was a blast. It, and that kind of opened my eyes, too, is like what you can do if you have a good organization set up. So mm -hmm. they, like, they run it like a club, and they have members with roles, you know what I mean, like yeah. a treasurer and a president and, like... Doing it the right way. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, their practices are like you show up and pay fifty bucks, ride all day long. It's open track all day. Wow. So I'm out there on a four fifty dollars. I'm out there on a four fifty, like wheeling past some kid on a fifty. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like everybody's you know what I mean, it's family racing and yeah, so like Yeah, that's you know. nice to see. You know, it would be interesting to, on a on a racetrack, like like a on sport bikes mm -hmm. to have an open session with everybody because there's such a large skill level differences but you're going a lot slower on this so it's a little bit safer yeah. in that aspect i mean i, I do you wish that there were like novice intermediate advanced groups in that is it get a little hectic sometimes uh sometimes so when i run events i typically run like a mini bikes mm -hmm. and i'll let kids and stuff run in there and then we run like full-size supermotos okay. usually yeah. um usually plus the full-size supermotos are running dirt section too and yeah. the mini guys usually aren't fixing to send their 50s <laughs> you know off tabletops and stuff so. sure and uh, you're you're hitting some uh, some massive uh, gaps on those on those bikes too, or is it smaller smaller stuff? For the supermotos, like the 450s. I mean, if the track's right, we'd hit some big jumps. Yeah. Um, like U.S. Air in uh, Shawano, Wisconsin, is probably like the best track in the country for some air. Yeah. Well, it, period. Okay. So like the track has crazy like elevation, all kinds of twists and turns, a bunch of layouts. Like you look at the overhead view and it looks like a bowl of spaghetti <laughs> a like, little bit of everything <clears throat> yeah they run drift events there and it's like the, okay. the premier event for drift cars too oh wow but um they used to have a massive dirt section set up with like big step ups rhythms like it was like a motocross like half the track was motocross and then half was asphalt and wow. it was like a two plus minute lap time you know <laughs> what I mean you had a lot of work in there <clears throat> oh yeah yeah for sure I'm like I'm not a dirt guy. I come from road racing, you know what I mean? So right. I go there. And usually in the Supermoto, the dirt guys usually pick up the road racing stuff real quick. And the road racing guys struggle to pick up the dirt stuff, yeah. you know? You know, I was playing, uh, I got a new video game. It's uh, Supercross 4, I yeah. think it is. The newest one out for motocross games. And, uh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to the jumping. It's like, I am going... Uh, down when I'm supposed to be going up on the uphills, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm just not timing them right. Yeah, is it the one where you gotta 
mix like your angle of your bike as well as your like lean angle and stuff yeah. like that. When I first did it, I wasn't using all the buttons, all the controls. I didn't know I could also move my rider and mm-hmm. adjust them in the air That's and all what I'm that saying. stuff. You can adjust the weight of the yeah. rider, which is like his yeah. riding balance, front and back, and all that <sighs> stuff. So yeah, that helps a lot when you know all the control buttons. Yeah, <laughs> but it's difficult, man. And and when it comes to doing it in real life, you can't just oh press reset. <laughs> no, you reset on a new collarbone real quick. <laughs> yep. So that's that's always been the the thing for me. You know, road racing is uh, it's really fast, but it seems safer in a way than motocross. Yeah, I, and I mean, we get a lot of guys coming from motocross too that are like, you know, I'm tired of hitting fifty foot jumps or or getting landed on. You know what I mean? That's scary. You know, you have a bad accident, and a lot of them will have, like, spinal, you know what I mean? Like, a, a scary spinal injury or something that's, like, yeah. close like that. And then they're like, maybe I'm going to go do this, something <laughs> else. Like, And the mini stuff is great for that, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, I don't know, I've trashed how many thousands of times at cart to cart, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's part of the thing, you know? Not a scratch. Yeah, no, you just go sliding down the, the pavement, and usually you're pretty good, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it's fun, and you feel like you're Mark Marquez out there because you're sliding all <laughs> over everywhere. the place. Yeah, because you can front. ride at the limits of the bike, you know. So. And it's such a low grip surface that it really starts to slide easily. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I just went there the other day with one of my roommates and my cousin, and it's just so fun. Uh, I love having the timing and scoring. You get to see results at the end of the day. Yeah. So we actually, uh, Anthony, who used to run it, um, I took over the mini stuff from him. Yeah. Um, bought the timing system for when they were running a race series back in the day, and uh, I haven't had really the participation nor the interest to deal with the headache involved with running a race series at this point. Yeah. I'll run races all day long, <laughs> but I'm not scoring a championship or dealing with people complaining about rules and, you know what I mean, all that you gotta stuff. do officiating all of it. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> interested in any of that at this point, you know, but yeah. I love racing, so... Um, we do, like, some fun endurance races and stuff like that during the winter, you know. Yeah. Um, so what's involved with, like, buying a timing and scoring system? Like, is that super expensive? Is it, like, a MyLapse transponder beacon? Well, no. So the one that we got is, like, for RC cars. Okay. It's called, like, an iLap timing system. Okay. So I think a transponder is, like, 50 bucks instead of 250, 250 yeah. bucks, <laughs> you know. Um, so looking at it from a... Like the organization's perspective, I think it's probably going to be you know twelve to fifteen hundred bucks to acquire everything for this system, get it up and running, mm. versus fifty thousand dollars for right. an AMB. You know what I mean? Is a full mile last, yeah. Wow. Yeah, brand new. You don't want to buy used and then have problems with it. I mean, I know people who bought them used. If I could find one used, I'd probably jump on it because, especially if they're the legacy transponders, because okay. those things hold their value forever now since. The new ones are all subscription-based. Now they're all the X2s, I think? Yeah, the X2s are all, you got to pay annual fee on top of your... Yeah, I sold my lap timer back, because I, I haven't been racing for a couple of years, and now yeah. I'm like, I need to get a lap timer again, so mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't bought one yet, because uh, there's so many different kinds. Uh, i probably stick with the MyLaps, but um, then you got to buy a subscription, and I don't need to start that if I'm not actually using it yet, yeah. so just going to wait. Going racing again? Definitely. Awesome. Um, I'm going to start with the 50s. Yeah. Do something small, just cost effective, and then get a get a 150 maybe. Either yeah. XR 100 or 150. I haven't decided yet. Come on Sunday, man. I'll, I'll have my bikes out there. I got an XR 100. 
I was actually working on putting my 150. I got a 150R. I'm working on building okay. building back up right now. But uh, yeah, waiting on. Hopefully the I've ordered a bunch of the YCF okay. bikes. I ordered like eight of them. But I don't know if they got stuck in the Suez Canal or some <laughs> shit. But like, yeah, <laughs> man. Um, there there was two snafus with shipping uh, disasters over the sea recently with one of my vendors. He had the the Opus One, I think it was called, that container ship that lost hundreds or whatever it was, hundreds okay. of containers in the in a bad uh, it was a storm in the middle of the Atlantic, I think, and uh, his stuff was on there. His his container oh, ship no. of thirty five thousand dollars worth of you know product was gone. It's at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, and you know? COVID times, you can't get anything. It's not even like you yeah. get an insurance check and then like get some more stuff. It's like there's hold on, there's just no wait. there's no insurance to claim on that kind no, of stuff. No, you it's, can't insure that kind of freight. It's wild. So um, he's out of luck, and uh, and then he had another shipment stuck in that canal. It was it was that uh, can't catch the, a break. <laughs> what are the odds in in a year during a pandemic you have yeah. two shipping disasters like that held him up for months. But uh, it's going better now. <laughs> he, he, I just sent me an email a little while ago. Motul, the Motul suspension setup tools. Uh, he's a vendor for that, and uh, he said we should be receiving a new shipment on Friday. So, cool. Hold my fi- hold my breath. Nice. <laughs> Cross my fingers. Um, so yeah, thanks for bringing some uh, some beer. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Oh. Not a problem. About beer thirty <laughs> right about now. Mhm. It is. It is. So, uh, so yeah, when I first started, I had tons of notes. I had, like, questions and, and like, yeah. bullet points, and I had p- – people sometimes ask me, can you give me a list of questions? Well, I, don't, I don't have any. <laughs> We're not – this isn't an interview. Yeah. It's a podcast. You know, we, you can ask me questions. We can talk about, you know, anything. For talk, sure. So it's kind of cool. Um, talking to different people, getting their perspective. And getting a little glimpse into their lives. Yeah, I mean, I saw you've done some podcasts with, like, local guys, right? Tried like to. John and, yeah. uh, I think it was Max on here, maybe. Um, uh, Max Flinders has been on here. Okay. But he's from kind of the UK. Okay. No, I was thinking, of, I thought it was... Uh, uh, Jeff O'Berry's been on here. Okay. He's He goes to cart to cart. He's yeah, he just started coming out to the Supermoto stuff, finally, you know. He's got a DRZ 400 or something? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, a lot of guys are doing that, because then they can ride it on the street, too. Yeah, you know, I I guess when I first got my Supermoto, I was like, oh, sweet, I'll ride this thing on the street, and I'll take it to, you know, the track days up there, and quickly that progressed into, you know, buying a race Supermoto, and I don't know, like, I think when I first started, I was like, oh, I'll do this as training for road racing, sure. and then it quickly became like, well, I have way more fun riding my Supermoto, and spend way less money. Yeah. Like, that's what I, when people ask me about it, I'm always like, dude, the the smiles to dollars ratio <laughs> is so much higher for, like, supermoto and mini bike stuff than, like, the sport bike racing. Like, don't get me wrong, I love going 100 miles an hour with my knee on the ground, just sure. railing, but uh, going, especially, you know, when you start going fast, the everything starts getting more expensive. You're burning through tires like oh, yeah. crazy, and then... And if you're not super industrious about your sponsorship kind of stuff, then it's really expensive. And then it's all out of pocket, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, what would you say is a typical race weekend cost for a mini moto or, or a super moto? Uh, I mean, if you're just coming out to do a practice, it's usually about 60 So our entry fee is 60 bucks if you're a member, 
and ten dollars for a pit pass. That's it for the day. <laughs> Sixty bucks. Yep. And There's you go no through a set of tires a year, maybe. You a, know? Year. So, One yeah. a year. year. <laughs> because I'm I'm usually at like three tires a weekend. Yeah. Like two rears in a front. Yeah. Actually. I mean, if you're top level like supermoto guy, maybe you'll put a fresh rear on for the race. Like yeah. race day. Race day. Yeah, just the not day. the race. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the whole day. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little different, and the the tires are smaller, right? Are uh, they still 17 You run 16.5 front if you're running race geometry, you know okay. what I mean, if it's all set up. Yeah. Um, but the smaller bikes, the 150s or the 50s, those are on much smaller tires. 12s, typically. 12s. Okay. For car tracks, it depends. There's two thoughts of on school of thought on the 150R, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it depends on if you're running larger, like, sweepy car tracks. Yeah. Then 17s are a lot more stable, sure. and, you know, it'll probably be faster, but... 12s are a riot on a, on a <laughs> tight little car track because it's the same thing. It's like it's like riding a 450 where you have way more power than you need on tap pretty much all the time. You know, you can spin the rear tire if you want. Yeah. It's a blast. You know, I've been fooling around with the tires on my mountain bike. I'm a big mountain bike guy, getting out of road racing and doing that as training, you know, in the meantime. Yep. And I had a 26er, and there's a couple times where I went over the handlebars pretty good. Yeah. You know, there's some really difficult terrain. I'm not saying I'm doing downhill stuff, but it's cross-country slash downhill. So there's a little bit of both. And uh, going to the 29er, I'd say it is a little bit easier. Having the, a little bit little bit bigger, I mean, just oh, yeah. you go over rocks better. It's just you get a better, um, you get more pedal stroke or, or distance per pedal stroke, right? A oh, little yeah. bit, three I inches mean, or something. I had the same experience. I, uh had to go to Italy for a work, like, training. So I was there for, like, two months. Yeah. And I am i don't speak Italian, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm, like, there by myself. I don't have anything to do. So I'm, like, well, and you're right in the foothills of, like, the Alps. Sure. And uh, so I went to, like, the department store and bought, like, a $100 off-the-rack mountain bike with, okay. like, 16-inch tires, <laughs> V-brakes. It was, I think it was, like, a 16-speed or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, but anyway, and I rode the shit out of it. I rode it every day after work. I'd get out of work, ride it all weekend, ride it all over the place. Yeah, it'd be a blast. New roads, oh, oh, new I terrain. Mean, yeah, and I, like, like I said, it was kind of like in the foothills, so I'd find new trails all the time that are going downhills, uphills. Some of them were real mountain bike trails. Some of them weren't. You know, I'd be passing guys on their, like, $3,000, like, giant rigs you know what i mean and i'm like uh, they're looking at me in my t-shirt my shorts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with with this little you know bicycle helmet on and right right they got the full downhill rigs and all that stuff <laughs> i only got in trouble like once or twice so yeah it's trouble as far as like uh falling off the bike yeah it's getting way over my head because i mean you don't you can't see the top of the hill when you go up there yeah. so then you maybe you get up there and maybe it's going to be kind of scary going down or you go down another trail and then there's giant drop-offs or, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, hmm, maybe I'll just walk this one out. <laughs> Are they marked well over there? No. No? No. So they're just kind of, like, in the woods? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, there were some. I looked up and did, like, a couple weekend trips and uh, would go travel somewhere. And, like, yeah, I didn't do any of the advanced trails because I knew that was just going to be way yeah. more than I could handle. See, I think I can get through most of that stuff, but if you don't know what's coming and you're on a bike that's not really yours... 
It's a little different story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, especially this was definitely not built to handle the, you know, it had yeah. no suspension. It was full rigid. And like, <laughs> right. But yeah, when I got back here and I got on my 29er truck, it was like, oh, it's a monster truck. I can just roll over everything, you know. Yeah, it feels a little bit better, a little bit bigger. <laughs> you know, I had a, I have a two, year 2000 Trek VRX, this full suspension. And that bike I rode, and I won a championship on, actually. Really? Yeah, and beginner, so I'd give it for what it's worth. Cross-country stuff? Cross-country in Michigan, and uh, I finally upgraded to the 29er, and it's a 2019, so I upgraded 19 years. (laughs) I have one bike, and man... There's a whole lot of technology right there. I can't believe the difference of how well that bike actually rides and handles. It's got like a twist grip so you can lock out the suspension front and rear if you want it to be like a hardtail. Okay. And where you can twist the grip and have full suspension if you want. It's not like a downhill bike, but it's a really good cross-country Enduro full suspension. Style, yeah. Yeah. So That's cool. I got a, a Marin, what is it, San Quentin. So okay. it's like a hardtail. Super slack. I thought... It's all right, but for cruising around out around here, it's kind of like, I don't need all that slackness in the front. Not going down that many hills around here, you know? Yeah, people give you shit sometimes if you have a full suspension and you're not on a mountain. But I'm like, yeah. we have the technology, why don't you use it? Like, I, I don't mean, know. I got it because I wanted something that was just going to be poppy and fun, ripping around the trails yeah. around here, you know? It's easier on your butt, right? You got a little more give. Yeah. Well, I got mine's a hardtail, but I just want to go jib around on the trails and... Yeah. Hit jumps and yeah, <laughs> you'll have good fun. Time. For sure. Yeah, I went to Stony the uh, last weekend. On Sunday, I did about t- I did 20 miles and exhausted oh, myself. I'm not in shape anymore. Yeah. I thought I was. And uh, man, it's uh, I just been working on my business so much. You know, it's it's hard to find that balance of well, should I try to make more money today or should I go for a bike ride? I I feel you. <laughs> the the struggle is real, especially being self-employed. Right? It's like. Yeah, what do I really need to do, you know what I mean? Uh, there's a list 74 pages long. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure, but I wouldn't give it up. <laughs> so you're full-time uh, self-employed? Yeah, yeah, I uh, left, I used to do um, like traveling machine installs repair for laser cutters and tube benders, and I don't know, I had a variety of jobs, robotic programming and I started out machining when I got out of high school, and I have most of a college degree, but never finished it for whatever reason, and I don't see any point anymore, but yeah, anyway, so I had a bunch of different careers, did a bunch of different stuff, and then was like, well, I know how to do this, and I at this point, now I've made a bunch of contacts mm-hmm. in all these different businesses, and have all this different experience in all these fields where I can go do different jobs so now if i'm not machining i can do like uh, engineering or design stuff okay um fixtures and gauges that kind of stuff or i'll do on on-site programming kind of stuff like engineering for people you know sure that issue pays pretty well for big companies you know so. i can imagine when i get those it's good <laughs> and you do but, uh some private labeling for the manufacturing uh yeah. machining yeah, so I got my own line of, like, uh, motorcycle parts that I'm working on. I'm That's always, awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks, you know. It's another one of those things. It's like, well, nobody else is going to do it. I might as well do it, and I'll do it my way. And, yeah, you know, why not? I want to do it. Yeah, you, can make, so. you can make your own parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, So right now, my FS450 on my race supermoto, I've got 
like adjustable triple clamps on there that I custom made with pucks that I can flip around. And triples are not cheap, usually. No, I mean, I've got a ton of time into them. They're probably like $3,000 <laughs> triples if I was going to charge somebody for them. But sure, but now <laughs> you did it. You made it, and now you can replicate it easier the yeah, next time, right? Yeah, it's well, like a then, template. Yeah, so I'm working on that, and I think I'll just do them fixed offset because they're so much easier that way. Mm-hmm. And But I'll probably do like 10 mil, 12, yeah. and, you know, 14 for like the FS and a couple different bikes that everybody runs. So Sure. I know um, you're messing with your geometry. It can be extremely valuable as far as changing suspension and setup and how the bike feels. Yeah, especially when you're trying to convert a motocross bike into, into a, road a race super moto super, bike. Yeah. Not even road race, but in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to change quite a bit. Now, I've never messed with, with that before, but I see all the big teams do. You know, It seems oh, like yeah. they have to. <sighs> yeah, the stuff they come up with is super trick, and I always, I always revel when I get the opportunity to check out the you know factory like, like clamps a, and yeah. machining and like you know they'll have adjustable like fork offset lugs. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit like that. So, is there a professional supermoto series in the U.S.? There is. There's an AMA branded series. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly West Coast stuff. Okay. So they run, I think, Arizona, I think Nevada was uh, uh, one of their rounds. Um, they usually do Sturgis. Okay. And up until last year, they did Quebec when they had the rally race. Yeah. I mean, it's it's died down a lot from what it was sure. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, um, but I'm people sure. are still interested in it. Like, I see all the time, I've been following a bunch of friends lately who are just at the kart track, like, all the time. I'm like, where are you? Where are these tracks? I've never even been to one. I mean, I've been to a bunch of kart tracks to drive carts. Yeah. But never brought a motorcycle I to I mean, one. if you don't know, I mean, I guess you don't really know. I know <laughs> a lot of people, I'm trying to get away from the Facebook stuff, you know what I mean? But, because uh, a lot of time, for the longest time, it was like, well, if you're in the group, then you see all the posts and stuff, so I'm trying to get the website more updated where we have we need to get announcements going out but yeah have your own platform <clears throat> yeah exactly uh, but yeah we got i think 12 11 or 12 events planned this summer at three different kart tracks and there was a uh, fremont yep. auto city yep and there's another one east lansing east lansing kart track east yeah. lansing kart track we'll be there this this weekend and uh I'm definitely going to go out to one of them this year. I don't know if I can make it out Sunday, but uh, I don't have all my gear. I'm still, I have most of my gear. I have a suit. (laughs) Yeah, that's my suit. You don't even need gear for Supermoto. You need a helmet, gloves, and boots. I don't have boots yet. The boots, I have gloves. I'm sure I can borrow some. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we can find a way. I got some some this weekend. (laughs) I still get pricing at the old place I worked at, so maybe I'll just go there. Um, Because I don't yet sell boots that are track worthy. I still I have a bunch of brands that I sell on dropship, but um, not yet great boots for racing, road racing oh, at least. Yeah, so. I know. You're a road racer, so you want real gear. I want the, su- we I get, want the we super get, techs. Yeah, we always get guys coming out in like, their car hearts, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you can't wear that, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, all the gear, all the, all the time kind of guy. I'm, I'm definitely that person. I mean, I've been hurt pretty bad in racing before. Yeah. And... Uh, but even when I was on the street, well, what did I start at? I was a squid. I didn't know anything. I was wearing, 
I might have worn flip flops one time, <laughs> but I'm pretty. I know I definitely wore tennis shoes a whole bunch and shorts and t-shirts and all that. Yeah. I was like, well, it's so nice to, you know, have the breeze and all that, the breeze in your hair. And I only rode one time without a helmet, and that was around the block. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it's so loud. <laughs> I didn't realize it's how loud it was. It's not even an enjoyable experience for me. Like, I don't understand how people ride 80 miles an hour. It would make me so scared without a helmet. Just uh, I've had so, so many people. rocks hit me yeah, in the helmet or that's the neck. What I'm saying exactly, <laughs> like it's not even in <laughs> people without eye protection. Like how much do you like your eyes? No, I yeah, I mean like even the supermoto with the dirt helmet, I've caught rocks up like in between the goggles, or I wear glasses a lot, and even that yeah. it's like it binged in the face and <laughs> rocks and stuff. I'm like yeah, yeah, I don't understand how dudes ride around on their Harley's like. They're yeah. badass. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, the, the new thing is a mask yeah. and no helmet. I'm like, what? hold on. What kind of really priorities do we have here? They're being really safe, but not really safe. Or then their helmets strapped to the back of their bike, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really, It's protecting their seat. Mm-hmm. So, it doesn't, so they don't break their seat. You don't want to scuff that pillion. <laughs> it's just goofy, man. You know, uh, I can't really hate on any riders. If you're on two wheels, I'm happy about it. But there's some things I don't I don't love. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know I I started out as a, a street squid too. You know, I got into bikes later in life, and my dad had a bad accident. You know, when he was younger, so my mom was always like, "You're never gonna get a street bike," you know. And then I got old enough and had my own money, my own place, and got a street bike. And then I don't know. That was back in the days of the forums before Facebook ruined everything. So I'd like sit there on like the Jixer forums, you know, and like. Like, what are these track days, you know what I mean? And people post their pictures. I'm like, I want to do that, you know yeah. what I mean? And then and then I crashed on the street. Like, I just did a, a minus one plus two kit, you know what I mean? And, sure. I, and it, it had rained when I was gone, and I was coming back and, like, hit a damn patch. Too much torque. Yeah, washed out. <laughs> like, I just came in way too hot and, like, washed out the front end, you know, practically knee down, like, you know, with my jeans on. And after that, I was like, well, maybe I'll go get some gear and go see what this track thing's all about and after that I was hooked I think I did like I finally got I think I crashed in like you know April or May something like that I think I finally got to the track by August and I think I did two more track days by the end of the year and then okay. after that I sold my 750 over the winter and bought a track only bike like <laughs> yeah, it, it was quick, quick. Yeah. <laughs> mine was fairly similar I got arrested for speeding I didn't know they arrested you for that. So that was news to me. Yeah. Uh, handcuffs, put in the back of the car, and go straight to jail. Don't collect go. Don't collect $200, <laughs> you know. Say, ah, oh, crap. And it was it was wild to me that it cost more money to get my bike out of impound than myself. How is that right? That's not okay. Yeah, that's extortion. And so, uh, yeah. I, after that, I really didn't ride on the street much anymore. Um, although I did get... I don't know if it's a record, but I'm sure in, I'm probably in the top 100 speeding tickets of all time in Michigan. So that's got to be something, right? Yeah, your 600 was doing 190 miles an hour. No, that was clocked at 147, not okay. 600. Nice. <laughs> so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, um, pretty good. That's got to be near the top end of that 600. There's got to be some. I mean, that was after I I let off. I slow. I saw him. I let off. So maybe who knows? I was going. Yeah, I was going 180 on my 600, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the same bike you then took racing? I did. I took my street bike. I just um, 
I, I didn't even have race plastics when I, I just took this took this kickstand off. Didn't have tire warmers. Didn't have anything. <laughs> didn't have stands. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Gingerman. I went to Grattan. Did a couple of track days, and I went to Autobahn. I uh, went all around. I did like 12 track days my first season, uh, so six weekends or so. Well, a couple of them were maybe three-day weekends, so combined. Um, like Autobahn was really nice. They have a, three different configurations. They got a north, yeah, a south, and a full. Yeah, place is awesome. And uh, I haven't been there since the repave, but um, I haven't been. Yeah, <laughs> either in years. So it's it's uh, it's just a progression, you know. Going from the street, you think you're hot shit. You go to the track, you're like. Well, actually, the first time I was in novice, I was like, "This is pretty slow. I can, I can definitely go faster than this." Yeah. But then you realize you get up to the intermediate, you're like, "Wow, these people are flying. I don't know how to do that yet," and it's very humbling. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of went in like I, I went into it with uh, relatively low expectations, and I think I did pretty well right away. And then um, I ended up riding with an organization called Moto Series. Which uh, yeah, is, I've, I've raced with them one time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I did a whole season with them, because that was like, show up and practice on Saturday, mm-hmm. so if like you had to work or whatever on Saturday, it wasn't a big deal, and then you race on Sunday, and it was all just like, family friend, friendly, fun racing, you know what I mean? There was no money to be had or anything like that, so, yeah. um, and we did a, did a full series with them, I did pretty well for novice year, I think I won one or two classes and got second, you know what I mean, like, yeah. there's always a couple of novice guys that were pretty fast, and there were, like, two or three of us that were all, like, battling, you know what I mean, you That's know, fun, it's, yeah. it's fun, it's a good time, and uh, I think I was going to do some weird stuff after that, and I showed up for a couple of rounds, had some good battles with Brooks back in the day, Okay. Um, and I think last time I went to go do a weird round, I was like, alright, I'm going to do... The full season, I showed up at Groton with white plates and was like, well, yeah, I want to run expert. Like, I've done a handful of races, and I podiumed, like, every time I came out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I did a full season then, and they're like, uh, I don't know. You need to run novice this weekend. And I'm like, mm, okay, I'm not, like, <laughs> coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, they're, they're, they can be strict about that. Um and I guess it really depends on your results. And I think Moto Series is a well enough run organization that they would be recognized results from, from Moto Series. I thought so. I mean, I think they had been defunct for like two years at that point. But yeah. I was like, well, it's only like two years old. <laughs> yeah. I only did a handful of races last year, but and I did halfway decent in them. I don't know. Sure. Lady wanted to give me a hard time. She didn't know me. Yeah. You know, it's it's a weird situation. Um, I'm going to be going back into racing, hopefully in two years at, at, for road racing, um, as the goal, two, two or three years or so, and uh, it, it'll be eight years at that point. Yeah. So what are you going to do, like uh, endurance, like 650 stuff or? I'm going to get back to 600. Do, yeah. do super stock 600 again, because um, I think that was the class I was in the, mo- the longest time. I mean, that was the only class I raced basically. Yeah. Well, I I had a. Six stock 600, but I raced that in six different classes. I raced that in this both 600s, super bike, super stock. Same thing with 750s and 1000s. Yeah. So I just enter every race with my bike. Yeah, anything you could. Pretty right? much. Yeah. I just I wanted to get so much track time because I'm like these guys have been racing since they're three years old. I started when I'm 20, and yeah. I'm right there. So I just need more you know race experience. But then again, you spend a lot more money when you do that. But if you were to just race one race. 
I get six times the experience you do. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's huge. But, I mean, but I then you yeah. spend more money on tires, too. So it's like you could go to more rounds if you only did one class or two classes and spend less on tires and do, like, ten rounds instead of, like, four rounds, like, all the classes. Like, Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, if you're racing on, like, a budget like that where you're like, all right, I'm going to allocate this much to this for sure. Do you think it's better to do more cla- more classes per round or do more rounds and less classes? It depends. If you're competitive, do all the classes you can, right? If you're out there racing against people, but if I'm out there running laps by myself, I'm, <laughs> I'm good, you know what I mean? Right. You want to be, like, having fun and racing with people. Yeah. 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 That's what, that's what I love about, like, the mini stuff, you know what I mean, mostly, because it's like, we're all out there just to have fun, and yeah. usually everybody's on pretty close machinery, you know? The OMRL stuff was good, because the XR100s, I think there's like 20 people on the on the grid, usually, wow. yeah. <laughs> for novice and expert. That's awesome. So, yeah, they have a, a I mean, that's like the, their class. They have a, you can run it in the stock moto class their F3 class and the F2 class. So. And um, what kind of modifications are they doing to those bikes? Is it like steel braided brake lines? Are they changing sprockets out and chains and all that? Just basically run what you're wrong? Well, the drum brakes. Okay. <laughs> so, no, so they're not steel braided brake lines. They're, they're not even, uh, are they pressurized and all that? Yeah, they're just cable operated drum brakes on the 100s. Okay. Um, so stock moto, you're not, I mean, you're putting a 16-inch front on, and um, you can open the air box up, like take the cover off and put like a pod filter on there. More more airflow. Yeah, and you can respring it. Um, I don't know if they're going to allow you to um, put a new shock on there. The OEM shocks aren't serviceable. Okay, can't open them up? No, and the XR100 has been dead now for a few years. Like, they moved on to the 125s, but everybody still loves the 100 for the class. Yeah. Um, but all the shocks are getting blown out, so I don't know if they're going to... Somebody's going to come on the scene and just start building them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I looked at it, and it's like, oh, this is more of a headache than <laughs> I know a guy, Marcus McBain, he's a M2 shocks, I think, or M3 shocks. He's making suspension parts. He's, he starts at he was at the drag strip for a while, um, working with those guys, and he was in road racing for many many years, and he's uh, starting a, a suspension bi- business. Sweet, pretty cool to see that ha- that uh, starting from the ground up. Let him know. Let him, you know, give him my card if he needs any uh, parts made or anything. For I've sure. Done stuff for Joe Craft. Okay. Uh, making caps and stuff for him. I've done some other stuff for some other guys. Yeah, well, I'll have to send this to him when, when I get it posted. Yeah, <laughs> let him know. I mean, uh, I can do valves or caps or pretty much whatever. So For, for anybody listening. Yeah, I mean, th- I'd love to do it myself. I don't know shit about developing suspension like uh, technology. You tell me, you like give me the design and I can make it as far as like, you know, links and stuff like that. I'm playing around and learning the geometry side of it, especially with the Supermoto, so... Working on making, like, links and triples, like I said, for definitely for the 150Rs, because that seems to be a big class, mm-hmm. and, like, the full-size 450 motocross bikes. And okay, stuff, yeah. So. You've been messing with uh, 3D printing, printing at all? Oh, yeah, all the time. Is that your time. main uh, tooling that you have? Uh, I mean, I use that a lot for prototyping stuff, 
Um, so if I need to make a break adapter bracket, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, stuff like that, I can print up a couple revisions and make sure everything mounts up nice and clears, and then yeah. before I develop a program and fixturing and all that stuff for it, spend a bunch of time and money and materials. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know much about 3D printing. How does that work? Like you get like raw material, you just stick it in one side and it comes out produce the other yeah, you get a big spool of plastic it's like plastic on a roll like oh. just a string of plastic and it basically melts it and however much you need for that spot yeah well it spits out g-code for the machine the machines are super basic too for the most part i yeah. mean they're like uh the extruded aluminum like uh preformed sections and they're all bolted together with some servo motors and yeah with a controller on there it's crazy <laughs> A lot of people build them themselves, but really, you can get them for like five hundred dollars or less for a <laughs> for a decent three D printer, yeah, and I'd and start making things that you can actually like sell. It's crazy. Wow. I had a buddy today actually or yesterday. He's like, hey, this is like a a part for a Glock magazine. He's like, hey, these are sold out everywhere. Do you think I could make them? And I was like, sure, yeah, sure, <laughs> quick print. It's like here's two of them. <laughs> Man, that's the. Uh you're really taking it into your own hands. Like uh, you're you're not waiting on Walmart to produce this product. You just, I need this. Here it is. Let's make it. <laughs> it's nice to have the capabilities for sure. You couldn't do that 50 years ago or 10 years ago. No, maybe. definitely maybe 10 not. years ago. I mean, with a lot of with the right set of tools and you know specialized stuff. But with Fusion 360, yeah, which is like basically free for anybody. You can bottle up whatever you can dream up pretty much yeah and then click print essentially and like it sends it to the printer and it's like a um it's like a way to just make make anything you want and i've heard they're even uh well it's kind of a problem i'll take another one yeah go for it thank you um it's like uh people are 3d printing guns now like that's the thing yeah what are you gonna do about that people they're just going to make whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't advise it. There's probably better <laughs> ways to to make a gun if you're going to do that. But yeah, it's plastic. <laughs> yeah. What could be other materials? Well, I mean, it's just the problem that it's all a bunch of layers of plastic, and you got to, like, sure. sandwich them together. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't know where Help me out. I don't know what I'm doing. Thank I you. might be a <laughs> Um. Yeah, just the, the manufacturing process is, like, uh, a bunch of layers, I guess. I mean, there's guys that do it, and I think they, like, they'll print it, and then if you apply heat pressure to anything, it gets compressed and gains, you know what I mean, strength, right? So yeah. it's, I think it's the same process where they bake it after they print it. and uh, Okay. So it gets hardened, it. maybe? I think that's how they do it. <clears throat> I thought, so I 3D printed a velocity stack for okay. my 450, so I could put, like, a flat track, big old flat track k and exhaust on there. Yeah. Um. And that worked out. Um, I mean, it's been running on my bike for the last two years without a problem. I always thought about like trying to coat the inside with like an epoxy or something like okay. that. But make it a little bit more uh, better surface for yeah. the heat. Yep, make it better surface and make it so it won't like uh, warp and deform as much. But okay, yeah, because they all have their tolerances with uh, whatever material you use. If it's plastic, it can't get over X amount of temperature. You know? Yeah, exactly. Carbon fiber can go up to probably a million degrees. Yeah, well, that, and I, like I said, I think just flexing and moving over time will eventually break those layers apart because it's just like, prints a layer, 
Yeah, very sandwich, small amount. Sandwiches them all <laughs> on top of each other, so if they keep flexing, eventually they'll yeah. split apart. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah. the other option is, which is cool, but I, I've done a little bit of it, but it's another thing that's like a giant rabbit hole you can get down, but you can print anything and then make a mold. And then just make that? And then from that mold, yeah, mm-hmm. you can pour urethane or mm-hmm. concrete, whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The other day I was like, hmm, kettlebells are expensive, but I could probably, like, make a mold and then just pour a bunch of concrete in there. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could make it out of uh, tons of different material. Whatever you got laying around the house, just uh, press it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make your own uh, kettlebells. Good, man. So, uh, so tell me, what's on your mind today? What do you want to talk about? Like I said, I was just trying to get the word of Great Lakes Supermoto out there, get people, yeah, you know, coming out to mini bike stuff. I mean, uh, I'm assuming that most of your uh, audience is road racing based, sport bike based. Yeah, I'd say most of them. Um, but I mean, there's there's going to be a, um, some dirt guys in there, some maybe some people who don't even have motorcycles who are looking to get into it, don't know about it, don't know how to get into it. I think that's a lot, a lot of it. Is people like like racers aren't going to maybe watch every single podcast I have because they already know about racing. But people who are looking to get into it, who want to learn more about it, or like that one particular rider that they'd like, let me learn about him, you know, or a particular product or company, I think that's when most people are going to start watching. Or like my my biggest one so far is uh, with Christy Lee. She's a movie star. She's uh, John John Hawkins. Um, And uh, she's, she's on the TV all the time. So it's by far... Still the biggest one, and I every bet, week yeah. it's like the most watched one. Like, I posted this months ago. How is this the most watched one? You're going to be making money on that one for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not monetized. There's yeah. no uh, there's no ads. The only okay. ad is myself. I'm advertising Promoting for your business. my own business, Sweet. really, and other people. Yeah, So sure. I hope I can help you make you money. Yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> it. I, yeah, like I said, I'm just here to... To preach the word, Supermoto is the light, you know? <laughs> Walk into the light? Yeah. So um, I'm going to be walking into the light in a couple months, I think. Um, I'm really just waiting to buy a house. I want to buy a house in the Auburn Hills area, maybe Rochester Hills, I'm not sure. Just a little further west, um, closer to work. I still work a day job, unfortunately. Um, and, I, and then I come home and work on my business um, uh, the rest of my life. So <laughs> The everyday struggle. Yeah, I worked for... About a year and a half building my business before I was trying to go into sales and yeah. they needed me to be a grunt on the road yeah. and then a position came up and they did not um, they denied me that for some nepotism then I told them to take it and shove it <laughs> and here we are well, hey man sometimes you need that push oh no I don't fault them at all I mean and I still do a lot of business with them but like that's yeah. the best and I, I wasn't really happy before that and I like, look, this would be the best thing for me if they fired me. I'd yeah. tell my boss, he'd be like, if you guys fired me today, that'd be the best thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, yes, at some point you need that push to go, but on another side of it, the financial side, it's like, well, sometimes your sales aren't there yet to make it worth it, but if you had another eight hours a day to spend on it. Yeah, and uh, the extra motivation of, like, You have oh, to do this <laughs> because yeah. otherwise there's no money. Exactly. Right? So, so yeah, I actually started this business from being laid off. I was laid off. I had I didn't have a job. I was on unemployment, you know, looking for jobs and doing this in my spare time. And 
And um, that's the only way I was able to do it because I had some sort of paycheck coming in at the time. And yeah. You know, I was able to do that. And, and I was able to, you know, unemployment's only for a couple months. Now it seems like it's forever. For eternity, yeah. But uh, at the time, it ended at, I don't know, six months? Seven okay. months? I don't know. It wasn't that long. It was less than a year. And, you know, I, I still stayed without a regular job for a year and a half. So I, I made it a little while. You know, I was I did full-time for about a, two years or so. Yeah. Um, and then I had to go back to work, and it was devastating. It's like, oh, I have, the worst part about it is you have to commute every day, you know? You oh, have to yeah. go to a place and uh, be with a whole bunch of people who don't want to be there all day. Yeah, I used to have to. I mean, I traveled a lot, but when I wasn't traveling on the road, they'd want me to commute in a no-buy okay. to hang out in the office all day. And yeah. it's like, look, all I'm doing is talking to customers on the phone. <laughs> I can do that from home, yeah. you know. And then so I left in September of 2019, okay. right? And then so COVID happened six months later, and everybody's working from home. It's like, hmm. Well, I could still be doing my old job and doing my business. Timing, right? Now. right? Yeah. Man, timing is so horrible sometimes. But yeah. sometimes, you know, 10 years from now, you look back and, like, oh, well, that was why. Yeah. No, other things work out. It's all good. I got no complaints. Like I said, any of my problems are, you know, good problems. So. That's good. That's good. You've been watching any of the racing that's happening lately? Wow, road racing. I watched all of Moto America this last weekend, pretty much. I still have to watch the second Superbike race. I missed that one. But I saw that one, but I still have to watch the Baggers and, I think, uh, Junior Cup. Yeah. The Baggers race is intense, man. I cannot imagine <laughs> backing in a sofa. Was it 700 pounds, 800 pounds? I don't know, it's 600? It's a lazy boy. You're driving a lazy boy. <laughs> like, and, uh, yeah, watching those two guys, uh, O'Hara and... Uh, I know Wyman was on one. Yeah, O'Hara and Wyman, like, battling back and forth and just, like, watching those things just snake (laughs) down the hill into the corner. Like, I did that on a supermoto, and that's, like, 200 pounds. Why do they need so much storage (laughs) space on a racetrack? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I think it's part of the rules that they got, They have to have bags? They have to have bags and fairings, like... What do you think they're carrying in those? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine they have, like, a minimum weight, too, right? Ballast, like, maybe? Yeah, they got to. Yeah, well, I mean, you could put... Yeah, it's all about where you put the weight, right? Yeah, put pillows in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they got nothing in there. They got all the weight down low in those things. Yeah, right at the bottom of the floor as yeah. far as you can. Um, but, yeah, the, I saw there was a nasty crash in the Twins in the twins Cup. Yeah. It was four riders went down in the same corner in turn one. Yeah. Caleb yeah, blew his engine. I think they were on the Aprilias, the RS660s. Yeah. And took all of them out. Took everybody out. I mean, it w- I guess it wasn't his fault. I mean, that's kind of a mechanical issue. If you, They saw this. this you could see the slow-mo of the oil or whatever whatever coolant it was. Yeah, whatever coming the coolants out of, were. Uh, coming out of it, slow motion, and just... <laughs> that's not good. Um, yeah, but everybody was okay. Everybody, there was three guys who crashed immediately, and then the first rider, the next rider who hit it, Immediately lost the front because it's like you're you're riding on ice when you hit that oil or coolant. Oh yeah. But they're not right running, you know, your regular ethyl glycol coolant. They're running race coolant. So it's a little bit better. It's like water. Yeah, I mean, I always wonder is that like better for traction or is that? Bad? I think it's better for track cleanup though. The right? ethyl glycol is, I guess, a really really environmental. It's like a bad thing. It's uh, 
Like if dogs drink it, if it's in your garage, they'll die. They'll die, yeah. Yeah, and if you, why would you put this in your car? What? what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, why is your dog gonna? Drink <laughs> I don't know. I, well, we have better solutions, but for race bikes, they don't freeze, so we don't have to worry about the freezing aspect of it. Yeah. But I usually just run water in my anyways, because I'm always working on shit. But yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have a, uh, a heated garage in the winter, you got to be careful about that. Fortunately, have the luxury of not worrying about that. <laughs> you bring the house, the bikes inside the house. Yeah. Well, I mean, now they're at the shop, so. Okay. Yeah, it's heated, heated shop. Gotcha. Very good. Um, so yeah, um, where can people find you online? We are on, we have our website, www.greatlakesupermoto.com, and, uh, that should have all of our schedule for the year, any class or event information, um, that will have registration, you can prepay for events, register for events, you can purchase a membership, which gets you discounted access to, um, Two events, so it's usually like 20 bucks off. So if you do more than two events, it pretty much makes it worth it to to get a membership. And you get discounted pricing on certain products like my parts. Um, we sell Warp 9 wheels, so you can get Warp 9 wheels at a discount through, if you're a member through us. Nice. Um, yep, so a fair belt. Most of my part sales are mini bike parts. Yeah. You know, for the 50s and stuff, I'm making like triple clamps. I'm working right now on some dress-up kits. I got to finish up. So very uh, good. Cobra wheels, converting old drum Cobra wheels. Yeah, we got shirts. We're trying to sell right now. We're trying to sell some of these awesome. limited edition Great Lakes Supermoto Space Force shirts. You're uh, driving a uh, riding a dirt bike over a Land Cruiser yeah, or something. Launching it over the land, the Moon Rover. Moon Rover. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a real story, right? That's yeah, no fact. Photoshop involved it's in there. It's a true fact. Yeah, that's before Photoshop <laughs> was invented, right? Yep, and you can see the flag waving in the background there. Yeah, exactly. Yep, so those we're selling those. They're on sale right now to try to fund uh, getting some dirt up at Auto City Speedway so we can improve the facilities up there and make that a, a higher-class supermoto okay. facility. Um, you know, There's not really a whole lot of tracks around that are willing to let you be like, hey, why don't you come out and run some events on my track and tear up my infield and build a <laughs> bunch of jerk, dirt jumps there. You know, I got all this nice looking grass there, Yeah. but if you want to build some tabletops and some berms, like, that'd be great, you know? Well, I guess if I was a track owner, I'd be like, you want to make money on a, on a day that I wasn't making money before? Uh, all yeah. right, I'll, you can tear up my grass, that's <laughs> fine. So, you know, some of them, uh, Fremont Raceway, yeah. They uh, they have a little oval track in back, and um, they're like the nicest people that that run that place. And there was like the one that was like, "Hey, I'm looking to run some events there." And they're like, "Oh, sweet, yeah, you you guys want to run on the dirt too, right?" And yeah. They're like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, you're, you're yeah. speaking my language, you know." Perfect. Usually they're like, oh, "Don't mess anything up, you know." Like, yeah, we're gonna do all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not gonna look good here later. <laughs> But it's just well, different. It's, it's not like you're trashing it with, with actual garbage. You're just changing the surface of the layout. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think down at G&J down in Ohio is another good track. That yeah, so everybody was there this weekend, right? Yep, OMRL had an event there this past weekend. Um, so that, we had a deal worked out a couple of years ago, I guess, to, they were going to let us put some dirt in. 
mm-hmm. but it never materialized, and I'm like, we need to go back and do that. So that's a, a road only, then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's a it's a nice track. It's bigger. I think lap times are right around like fifty seconds, forty okay. seconds. Yeah. On. Looks like they had some big silos there, maybe next to a farm or something. Yeah, they got giant grain silos, trucks coming in and out all day long. You can show up there any day of the week, and it's twenty dollars to ride all yeah, day long. But it's like I, I looked it up actually recently. I think it's like four and a half hours from here, so not not too bad. Yeah, about four hours. Not too bad. Broughton's three and a half, three... Two and a half, well, two and a half, three, yeah. Yeah. Depends who's driving. That's true. <laughs> this is true. I'm like, yeah, but I guess most sport bike people, like, uh, don't usually have a problem, like, traveling and driving anyways, because you got to go all over the place for yeah. tracks anyway, so it's yeah. like, oh... The closest one, yeah, the closest one's two and a half, so... Yeah, six-hour drive is, like, you know, Friday right. night, so... It's like, okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to, but I'll do it. Yeah, know. well, it's what i got to do to... To feed my addiction, right? Yeah. So, well, I got this little trail in the backyard, but it's not really moto friendly. I mean, yeah. if I had an electric silent bike, I could be ripping that all day. Stock fifty would be perfect right you, back there. You know, there's a neighbor at the end of the street that is yelling at me for riding my bicycle. Not on her on her property, just riding it near her property. So I'm just nervous Karen. about that. You know, <laughs> I just don't want to mind her own business. <laughs> It could be a Karen. I don't know. I mean, I when we got the 50s a couple of years ago, I wheelied my 50 all over the neighborhood. Not a thing. Nothing. I go right past cops on the sidewalk on one wheel, and like yeah. and just wave. Yeah, I was I was I got a scare today on the way home from work. I was accelerating from 30 out of a out of a uh, you know, a U-turn kind of thing uh, onto the expressway, and uh, I was I was planning on going up to 85. Yeah. And I saw this cop gunning at like seventy-eight. Like, oh boy! He was just on the side, like off uh, a motorcycle cop. Just, oh yeah. Just sitting there, we were turning left around the freeway on fifty-nine, and he's just sitting there on the other side of the, the left, like hiding. Yeah, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky man. Almost got me today. Yeah, but. I love the meme when it's like. American cops and they're like tucked all in the bushes hiding. <laughs> yeah. It's like European cops and they're just like standing on the road. Like, yeah, just doing this. <laughs> I I would blow right past them. Like if they tried to stop me as like as an American driving over there, I would be like, why is that cop pointing at me yeah. as I'm like hitting another <laughs> yeah. gear? You know what I mean? Like, no thanks. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm not for breaking the law, but I think the speed limit should be changed. I, I think residential should be 25. I don't think that should change. But you get on the highway, get out of the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was another thing in Europe, like uh, driving ever over there. Etiquette was much better. Like, if you're not moving, get out of the way. Like people come up behind you, oh, yeah. flashing their lights and stuff like <laughs> that. Like I did that, and then I was like I said, I was over there for a couple months, and I did that to a guy, and I was like just coming back, you know, I'm doing 80, 85, cruising along in the fast lane. The guy's lollygagging, you know, 65 miles an hour. And so I just flash him real quick, and he hits the brakes. He's trying like, to brake check you now, yeah. Really? You don't under, they don't understand at all. Really? So when they hit the brakes, you hit the gas and go around. I did, and then he <laughs> mashed off on it. He was like in a charger, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. I'll show you for me going too slow. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? I yeah. don't know. It's frustrating. It really is. Yeah. I was going out to Rockford uh, the other day. And uh, this lady decided she was going to try to block me. And then the car be- beside that the person who was uh, not playing along 
was like, oh, I see what he's doing, and like immediately let me buy, and like it was awesome. It was like he, she, this person, I don't know if it's he or she, but this person let, knew what was going on. That this person was being a dick. Yeah. Let me buy, and then and then got over Made and blocked a the other for one. You yeah, it was check. awesome. Yeah. I was like, thank you so much. <clears throat> Teamwork. Yeah. It's like you almost had a CB radio like talking to him. It's like perfect. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um, just t- shooting the shit. Yeah, see for sure, next. man. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta get, come out. Do some riding with us. I'd love to. Um, my plan is doing some some more mountain biking, get, get a little bit more fit. You know, not necessary. Most of us are fat and sit around and drink beer. <laughs> it actually helps. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Recovery, right? Or pre-game or whatever you got to do. Post-game, end-game, all the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I uh, I'm just waiting on the on the funds, I guess. Yeah. I'm uh, waiting to pull the trigger on buying a house, get pre-approved. And I'll let and I'll finance this stuff. I've never done that, so it's a little nerve nerve wracking, right? Yeah, it's a tough time to do it right now. I did it the last time we had an economic crash. You know what I mean? So. so yeah, I got my house at '09, so I got in got in pretty cheap. So right now I'm like, babe, sell the house, right? We can live at the shop. <laughs> you could. I can work. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> you could, man. You know. Get it zoned, uh, residential and... Oh, and hell no. And I would just get an RV, and we live in an RV, and I'm parking inside. There you go. Well, there's <laughs> people who live in their businesses that aren't zoned properly. Oh, anyway. yeah, I know. Like, for sure. I was conceived in a business that wasn't zoned <laughs> properly. <laughs> so you know all about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, man, I don't think it matters so much, but some people do. The officials, I guess. You know, I got, I got yelled at from... Uh, the city for parking my car or my roommate's car on on the grass. I said, okay, can I put dirt there? I said, no. Can I extend my driveway? No. So then where the hell do you want me to park my car? And then I, they said, um, or I asked them, are you going to find me? You're like, what, what is the, yeah. if I don't move it, what's the, the, the penalty? Oh, uh, nothing. So why are you giving me a warning if there's no penalty? <laughs> yeah. What is okay. the problem here? Thank like, you. You're just trying to be mad at me for no reason? Like, what? I'm not doing anything right. I just parked my car next to my driveway. So, I mean, I could put a piece of wood on top of it yeah. so it's not on the grass. Is that what you want? Like, so I don't think understand. you need to move where I live. Like, <laughs> Where do you live now? Uh, I'm in Harrison Township, so okay. I'm actually east of here. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know, it's nice. It's like That's southeast a little bit? Yeah, I'm like pretty much, if you take 59, like to the water. I'm at like 16. Okay, 16 yeah. in Jefferson over there. You uh, are right by the trail that I use to go uh, 16 Mile, Big Beaver, all the way down to Clinton River. Yeah. Uh, Lake St. Clair. Yeah. Yeah, there's a park right out there that uh, has a nice trail. Yeah, Metro Beach. Yep, Metro yeah. Park, Metro Beach. Yeah. That's a nice place out there. You go there all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. a little far from here to ride your bicycle, but yeah, for sure you got to go all the way to. I mean, but I mean, really, you could take bike path almost the That's, whole way, yeah. right? Because like I do Clinton 19, River Trail yeah. to uh, to 16 Mile. You got to be on the road for like a mile or two. But they did put um, new sidewalk on Chainer now, so there's sidewalk on on uh, southbound, I think. Nice. So you do the road bike stuff too. Or? I do the road bike. Um, it's uh, not as fun, I'd say. But it's still it's still fun. Like you get to go pretty fast. You um, get to work on your endurance. Um, there's there's a bunch of trails you can ride around here, but it's typically like 
when I go out riding, I like to ride my mountain bike because yeah. you can ride it anywhere. I don't have to have like a set exact trail that I'm or a place that I'm gonna go ride. Because if I'm going on my road bike, I feel like I have to have like a planned route. Get a route, yeah. You do because like otherwise you get on the streets or there's no good sidewalk, <coughs> and then you're like, oh, 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 this is terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. I took the wrong route. You know that's not fun. But yeah, I've had some injuries the past couple of years, so recovering from like I did both my collarbones with them, like. Two, within two <laughs> weeks of each other, so, like, I did the first one. It's impressive. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then I was feeling pretty good about two weeks out of surgery, and, you know, jumping mini bikes in my buddy's backyard, and the handlebars actually broke off the mini bike. Really? Yeah, and I didn't want to land on my freshly fixed collarbone, so I would, like, roll the other way. Roll the other way. And I got up, <laughs> and it's, like, pointed like this, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? What like, are the eyes? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've crashed how many thousands of times in my life and then yeah. basically twice in a <laughs> row <laughs> do you think that the uh sport bike riders should at least wear those neck guards that they have at cart to cart like those little tiny evs things you mean like the the brace like the rider brace like the foam pad yeah the, like the little foam pad i mean that would i don't know because sometimes they say helmet crashes or uh, collarbone breaks are from helmets hitting your collarbone i mean that's one theory Maybe. I mean, all mine were definitely from me, like, just body slamming the ground, the ground yeah, with my hard. shoulders. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've heard it's six pounds of pressure in the right spot to break your collarbone. Yeah, that's probably about right. Not much, I a mean, lot. It's like you could punch someone in the right I spot. See, I see people pop their arms, pop their shoulders and arms out a lot, too, you know what I mean? That seems to be a common one. But I used to be one of those guys. Yeah. The shoulder, and both shoulders. Uh, this one only twice. This one about six times. You able to strengthen them back up to rehab them? I did 20 push-ups before it came over. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, at one point I got up to doing 100 push-ups, but I got a little carried away. And I was trying to do as many, I wanted to get to a point where I could do 100 push-ups without stopping. So I'd do like 20, sets of 20, and say three sets a day. You know, and then the next time, the next day, I would do 21, sets of 21. Next day, sets so to 22 and increase it every okay. single day yeah. until I couldn't do it anymore and then stop at that number for a while and then, you know. Work up again, yeah. But doing so many push-ups actually hurt my elbow, like a tennis elbow type of thing. So I had to stop. And okay. I got up to, I mean, I would do 100, 100 push-ups, but not in one set. Maybe it's like a couple different sets. And then I was like, I can't do it anymore. It hurts too much. It's just overworking. Yeah, it's just too much repetition. Too much of one thing, thing. yeah. Yeah, Because Well, it's, uh... It's so easy to do. You can do it anywhere. You don't need any equipment, and yeah. that's why I love it. You can, you can. It takes five seconds. You don't have to go somewhere to the. You don't have to go to the gym to, to do it. You know. I just got one of those. Um, it's like a climbing, like a, like a peg board. Pegboard. Peg yeah. It's not like a. I mean, it's like a finger hold board. Okay. And then I just like threw a rope around from the rafters, so I just hang there, so I could do like pull ups or chin ups or just like different finger holds and hang there and stuff. And yeah. it works on like your whole core too. Yeah, but um, yeah, a bunch of my friends actually got into, into the mountain biking stuff. Like Anthony and those guys, okay, stopped doing supermoto stuff to do mountain bike stuff, and then got into like BMX bike stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah, where they were doing dirt jump stuff, and then yeah, so that led me into getting like a BMX bike. Yeah. So I got into that like last year, and uh, one quarantine happened, and I stopped getting quotes coming in. I was like, well, and wood wasn't 
through the roof. <laughs> we like we built it and ended up building a skate park like during Sweet. quarantine. So it's like that was that's my gym now. Oh, your skate park? Yeah. yeah. So I go in there and just do some laps and basically like a little pump track on yeah. the BMX bike and it's a lot of fun. It's fun. It's a good full body workout. I just need to control myself. I ended up <laughs> doing my ACL again this ah. last winter, so yeah, the the tricks are always fun, but they can be very injury prone, right? Yeah, I mean, I think my problem is like I'm never good just just doing what I know I can do. You know what I mean? I always want to push it and like try something new, learn something, or you know. Well, you are my people. Racing, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> same thing with racing, right? Yeah. It's like that's who I am. I'm not. I, I'm not going out there to not give it my all, right? And right. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Me at the core is just I push everything, and sometimes it's a bad thing. You know, it always doesn't always work for for like bosses or relationships sometimes. <laughs> but um, it makes me who I am. Yeah, you know? I mean, exactly. you can't stop it. Uh, you can try to tame some parts of it. You know, you don't have to be so aggressive all the time. You can. I try to be chill most of the time. Yeah. But I, I have mean, another side of me that's like uh, the devil's fireplace. You know. For sure. And it, I think it comes with age, too, right? Being able to temper that and turn it. It's nice to be able to turn it off and on when you want. Yeah. Everybody, I think, struggles with, right? But I don't have the right codes for the for the switch yet. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, something about it, as soon as, like, when the visor goes down, right? And <laughs> yeah, well, it's just <laughs> another mentality. Goes. It's just a completely different mentality, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you want to be clean. You want to be fast, you know. Some some people are like, why don't we care about being clean? I'm like, well, how are they going to remember you? The guy who took out seven riders or the guy who was like made great passes? Yeah. Who do you want to be? You don't want to be that guy who's like taking people out, who's dive bombing, hitting yeah. people. No, for sure. You don't want to be the yeah the guy that everybody talks shit about. <laughs> like I've I'm happy to say I've never taken somebody out. I've never I mean I've hit people. I've, I've bumped into people and but never made them crash. From something that I did, uh, and I feel like that's respectable. You know, I've crashed from my own self yeah. doing stu- stupid stuff. Everybody has, but um, there was one rider who hit my bike that had been on the track. But it's not my fault because 15 other bikes went by. I feel like sport bikes is a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can if you're hitting someone on a mini bike and you're going 12 miles an hour, it's not such a big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll do that for fun. We'll just, like, <laughs> block that people. I mean, especially if it's your buddy. Yeah. Like, if it's Carl Soltis, I'm stuffing the shit out of Carl. He's stuffed me before. Every single time. He's hit me before. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll do it right back to you, you know what I mean? So, like, I go out of my way to dive bomb Carl. Yeah, but, you know, when he, when he dive bombed me, it wasn't, like, it wasn't super rude, like, yeah. We were fine at the end of the day. At the it wasn't day, malicious. It no. was just like, hey. It was like he saw a little tiny gap. He went for it, and it wasn't really a gap, but like he made it work, yeah. and we both made it out of there. So it was fine. So thanks, Carl. It was a good experience. I got something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. You know, And, and he just got two top tens in uh, Moto America Supersport. Yep. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, we're sponsoring him this year. So you I know really? What I mean? So hooking him up with like track time and awesome. some parts and stuff like that. I saw he was on your page. He, Carl, it's like there's Carl. Yeah, this yeah. Picture. Always, you know, Carl's my buddy. I've known Carl for a bunch of years. So like, being able to help out, you know what I mean? Give back and let him like basically hook him up on his training. You know what I mean? So that's what yeah he does all winter long to, to train. You know what I mean for. Riding bikes and then yeah. 
comes out and does his supermodel stuff too when he can, when he's not doing Moto America stuff. And sure. Yeah, I've raced with him for a couple of years when I was a novice and expert growing up and, okay. and uh, getting faster. And, and he was he was definitely a contender. He was somebody to really watch out for. And then around 2015, he just took off. Like yeah. 2014, 2015, he started getting real fast. And then he started doing more. He started doing a couple of pro races a year for a while, like wild cards at, at certain rounds. Yep. And then this is his first season with uh, doing a full season entry. Yep. Doing all the rounds. Yep, doing a full Moto America card this year, which is pretty cool. I'm, and yeah. I think he's doing a gang of, like, CCS, ASRA races, yeah. too. I think he did the Daytona, right? Did yeah, Daytona did the 200? Daytona this year. And then, was that this year, or was that a make-up for last year? I don't know how that worked. But I'm not sure which year <laughs> it's considered, but yeah. they, did, they have one in March, it, March time frame. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty good. So, um, we got a couple rounds coming up. What's the next one? Uh, well, you have one this weekend, but Moto America, I think, is going to be... <coughs> oh, They were just at Road Atlanta. I just looked yeah. at the schedule today. VIR. VIR. So, Supermoto East Coast, which is, uh, I mean, probably the premier East Coast Supermoto. I mean, during the summer, for sure, they run events all up and down from, like, New York down to... Uh, I think New Hampshire, so they're coming out to Auto City, 4th of July, so it'll be running all that weekend, partying, racing, riding, yeah. you know, it'll be a good time, you yeah. know, come out to that, um, but yeah, they run, they're running a doubleheader, VIR, it's a kart track, so yeah. we're running races that weekend there, Nice. and then in conjunction with Moto America, so that's always a good time that's to sweet. be like racing over here, and then jump over and watch the pro guys race, and that's a great time, and uh, I, I might go to the Moto America Pittsburgh race this year. Yeah. Um, just to spectate, maybe help out in the pits if I can. Um, but uh, they have a kart track there, and I love that kart track. That's a yeah. that's a, actually a um, U.S. Pro Kart Series racetrack. So they go there for pre- professional racing. Yeah, I rode, rode there last year with the OMRL, my 450. Yeah. Had a blast. It's a good time. Uh, Great facility. Yes. Top-notch facility, for sure. Yeah. You know, they let us camp out. They were running cars that weekend. But, I mean, road racing, too, I love that. That was my favorite track when I yeah. did the Moto Series stuff. And uh, still would love to go back there and do, uh, do the full track. So you did the short course? Yes. Yeah, I did the short course also. Um, I didn't. I haven't gotten a track to, chance to do the full course yet. But, uh, man, those were fast lap times. There were sub-one-minute sub times, depending on what bike you're on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, that was one of my best tracks as far as, like, gap to the leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. I crashed out. <laughs> but. Where at? Uh, which turn or? Yeah, which turn? Like, at which, the uh, so carousel this time, down there? No, or? this was uh, at the top of the hill. Okay. Turning left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sided like the, the crap out of myself. That's a big spot to crash. Yep, I sided the crap out of myself. David Gray was right behind me. Eddie Kraft was right in front of me. And uh, I went, whoo, you know, right into the air, and uh, I was in, I was fine, but um, yeah, that's actually when my bike got hit in the middle of the track. That was when that rider went by and hit my bike. So it's kind of a blind section there. Yeah, going coming down yeah, the hill. Yeah, it's like a little kink at the top of the hill, right? Yeah. And then you like you hit a corner yeah. as you're coming down the hill. Sure. 
So I just, you know, whack the throttle way too far open. You should never use the term whack the throttle in racing. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that. And uh, just, I just asked way too much of the rear tire because I saw first place was, a, you know, a tenth of a second in front of me. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm, I'm right here. How did this happen? I'm, you know, I found it. I, yeah. So, yeah, my, my pace at that track, I was only a tenth off the, the fastest lap time of the of the race. Nice. It's like, that's exactly what you want. You know, the gap to the leader, depends who shows up for the race, can be anywhere from one to three seconds, you know, or more. more. Eddie on a 600? Yeah. Yep, and uh, then he switched over to a 750. 750. And I said, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, why were we chasing him on the 750? Well, that's even though, impressive. like, all right, Eddie's got a massive uh, program, right? He has the, one of the best programs as far as, like, amateur race programs yeah, in, yeah, in the yeah, country, maybe. Sure. And so every time I'm getting on the gas, I'm like, I got a stock engine. You know, every time I'm getting on the gas, like, it looks like he has a 750. It's on us. He's on a 600. You know, so it's like yeah, you definitely see the, the, the tendencies of the bike. Like, um, he'd always pull away from me on the gas, uh, catch up to him on the brakes. You know, um, there was a track at Nelson where it was just yo-yoing the whole the whole race back and forth. I can see you again. Nope. Oh, see you again. Nope. Yeah. Um, but it's just that's you have to ride to your own limitations. My limitations were money. Money and, well, everything. Track time, you know, I had no crew, just myself. So it's uh, it's hard to compete with someone who has a full team when you're you. Supermoto is the light. <laughs> Does not matter. Yeah, everybody's it's, no crew. Everybody's uh, no tire warmers. Yeah, no generator. I mean, you can go out and like I mean, if you're gonna do it, you just go out and buy like a FS450, right? So it's all set up, ready to go. Yeah. And uh, like I was talking to pro guys last year that were at uh, the US Air and like Shawano up there, and. They were like, dude, that bike is was one second from the showroom floor. Yeah. With only clickers, was one second <laughs> off the pace of my full factory race KTM. That's impressive. Yeah. And <laughs> well, so, how long of a lap time? Talking like a thirty-second lap time? I mean, yeah, it's probably like a forty-second lap. Most most car tracks are pretty like, quick. Yeah. yeah. I mean. <clears throat> yeah. I mean that's a that's a that's a testament to the rider, but also the bike. Well, and I mean, with Supermoto, I think it's like, it's one of those things where it's like usually the it, the bike, you know what I mean? A, a fast guy can go really fast on a, on a, on slow a bike. shit bike, oh, you know? Yeah. Look at Oberry out last weekend, <laughs> like just yeah. slinging that DRZ around everybody, you know what I mean? Like, slinging that D. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are you guys uh, doing lap times at the track? Like, how do you how do you um, determine who's the leader of the day? Yeah, so, I mean, usually I'll run some mock races at the end of the day just for fun if okay. anybody wants to. But yeah. um, we we got the timing system that we run indoors at Cart to Cart that I was telling you about, the RC timing system. Um, so I'm planning on putting that up on just, like, some PBC oh, yeah. to make it portable, and I'll just throw sure. it in a trailer with me. It'd be easy. Yeah, you know, haul that thing around so that way we can still get lap times from the day. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a, uh, a vendor of Starlane lap timers. Okay. So um, I'm definitely going to get one of those and put it on my, my 50. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the only guy with a lap timer on my 50, I, I think. Do those do, uh, is that RFID pickup or is that GPS? GPS. I, they do both, I think. But um, I'm actually not sure if it does RFID, to be honest. I have to look. But uh, I know it's for sure GPS and lean angle, and uh, I think you can hook up other things like potentiometers and different uh, sensors oh, for really? brake pressure. 
if you want. I don't know if you can even hook that up on a 50, but that's not important to me. I just want to have the timing. And do you even need a sector if your lap time is 29 seconds? Like, do you need Maybe. sector times? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you could. I mean, you could say this is sector one. This is like the first tenth of a mile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the track. If you need to break it up into like, you know, it's got a back sweep to like fast section, I guess, and then like a tighter section, you might like try to work on different things at different yeah. spots or whatever. But I don't know. At this point, I'm just going on to have fun. Like I, yeah, I gave up any. I I never really had any hopes or aspirations of like being. AMA pro racer or anything like that. I mean, I was like, it'd be cool to go out and do a couple rounds. And I mean, it's cool to see dudes that I raced against, like you know Carl and like CJ and yeah. like guys like that out there doing the doing the thing. You know what I mean? It's like sweet, yeah. you know. But uh, the I love the supermodel stuff. Like I said, the smiles to dollars is always. Yeah, it's if you try to go road racing or if you if you want to be a pro, you're gonna struggle for a long time. Yeah, and you know, I'm willing to struggle, <coughs> and that's why I'm still going for it. Um, I'm willing to st- take a step back from racing for six, eight years, build a business, and then go back and kick everybody's ass. Yeah, that's I mean, the plan. I mean, probably not, but <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, really, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is. Uh, um, is funded myself. You know, I had, yeah. I had 20 sponsors, and it's crazy to say that that wasn't was not enough. Um, Do the Johnny Rat Page thing and just buy a bunch of ATM machines, right? Well, he he created ATMs, didn't he? He was like the idea man behind that. I don't know how. I that think worked. that's I the he was story. Just selling a bunch maybe, of them. Maybe he just had an empire of ATM machines, but I think he was one of the like the founding fathers of ATMs. Oh, really? I think so. That's, that's how just, we got to I be. just remember reading one interview, and he was basically like, I went out and did road racing when I was a kid and ran out of money, and then I wanted decided I wanted to build a business so I could go motorcycle racing, yeah. and I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, good for you, yeah. dude. And that's that's what awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's my life goal is basically um, work for myself, make enough money to quit my day job, go race. Yeah. That's it. Like those, it, I mean, you know, find a woman, find a, build a family, uh, you know, eventually. But for now, go race. And like, yeah. I would love to work for myself. It might be a couple years out. I'm not sure. It all depends on me. You know, it's nobody else but me. You know, and that's kind of exciting in a way. Absolutely. There's nothing to it but to just get down and do it. That's always the biggest thing, right? Is everybody yeah. loves to sit around and talk about things they want to do obviously you're doing it i'm you doing gotta, it you got a basement full yeah. of shit over here right so. it's just uh i need to do more volume like if I, i'm i'm already in the uh five figure months uh area but it's it's not enough because i have very low margins yeah, and drop shipping. margins so tough, you yeah. just need you just need like fifty thousand dollars a month in sales to make it like legit worth it which yeah. is a lot, you know, that's yeah. not going to happen in uh, overnight, usually. So it takes a while yeah, to get to that point. Especially working by yourself, you know, yeah. shipping everything yourself. So And so I do actually have a, a full-time worker in India. I have a remote guy who's, you know, everything that can be done on the computer, he doesn't need to be here for. I don't need to pay him 10 bucks an hour plus taxes. So I, if I can pay him less than half of what I can pay someone here, um, it makes sense. Shut. That's pretty cool. I've so, never heard of something like that. Uh, they call him a VA, virtual assistant, 
And uh, there's a bunch of different companies that do it. This one is WeRVAs.com. And uh, this one is five bucks an hour if you buy the biggest tier. So if okay. it's 800 bucks a month, you know, 40 hours a week, five bucks an hour, 160 hours a month. And um, so 7.99, they give you a deal, <laughs> dollar off. <laughs> yeah, great, thanks. But uh, it's been working out. I've been doing this for over a year now, over uh, like 15, 16 months or so with the VA. <clears throat> I've had different physical people help me. I've had, had had different employees here. Like if I go on vacation, I need someone to ship orders or something. So yeah, for sure. For just like an hour or two or days, should come here and ship the physical items and then leave. Um, I've had other remote workers that my dad has helped for a couple months. My aunt has wor- worked for like nine months, you know. Yeah. Uh, volunteer based, which is I'm super oh, grateful think, for. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'll take another Grabbing one. Grabbing the last yeah. one. Yep. Um, and so it's uh, it's humbling to see the growth. And like w- for the longest time, I was just selling bullshit. I was just selling books and CDs and DVDs. Just whatever you could. Because you. For me, I thought I had to start at, like, some threshold value of feedback. Like, who's going to accept you as a vendor if you come out to them with zero feedback, no sales, nobody knows who you are? No, but not many not many companies. So I went, like, um, not really door-to-door, but I went to different companies around the area and see if they would do consignment. Yeah, I had a couple companies to give me some things to sell on consignment. Uh, friends and family gave me some things. And then uh, I re- started reaching out to vendors. You know, Driven Racing is a vendor of mine. M4 Performance Exhaust is the biggest thing I sell right now. Nice. I have Acropovic Exhaust. I have Spark Italian Exhaust as a vendor. I have Carvin Car Exhaust. Yeah. I have car racing parts now, like BC Racing, Silver Suspension, uh, Noble Performance, Angry Acorns. Yeah. Um, and uh, usually all you got to do is just reach out and be like, hey, I'm looking to be a dealer for you. Now, a lot of them will say no because <laughs> you don't have a storefront. Yeah. Or it de- you don't it have on, on their yeah their policies program. yeah or you don't have a um, a phone directory like if you call my phone number it goes to my cell phone it's not like a press one for mm-hmm. sales press two for returns I don't have that so there is a lot of restrictions some companies like P- Parts Unlimited I will probably never be able to sell Parts Unlimited because yeah, you need a storefront you with need to you also hours need, a week that's open and you like need to ha- buy like ten grand a, a year of parts inventory. of a physical inventory I'm not buying anything yeah so I can't use them so there's you definitely have to be you know selective yeah so we're kind of doing the same thing with uh, with our website we were trying to go like supermoto based so. Obviously, I've got a bunch of products that I'm working on, you know, yeah. in, my, in my brain or that I've made for myself in the past that it's like, I just need to get the time to run more of these and list them on the site. Anyway, I got, you know, our my products, and we're trying to offer other, like, supermoto, like, race-specific. So, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, sliders, um, I'd like to get a tire deal, but that was kind of the same thing. Where it's, it's like, hard to buy, find a right vendor. Yeah, that and, and the margins are next to nothing, so it's like... It's but it's a consumable, and they're going to come back. Yes. So that's something that I've thought about, too. I actually, um, I started selling tires through a vendor, and I, I, I sold one tire. In all, for the dropship, in yeah. all the stuff that I did, I sold one new tire. I was like, this is a waste of time because everybody's selling tires. And unless you got, 
a network of people, like you're going to a track day, and you can sell them there, yeah. that's the place to do it if you're going to sell tires. Because mm -hmm. <clears throat> at least from my experience on eBay and Amazon and my own website where nobody knows I exist yet, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. I've had a lot more success selling takeoff tires than I've ever had selling brand new tires. I believe it. Which is really strange, actually. And these are actually all Joe Crafts right here, these seven or so. I might have some tires for you. Um, I'm trying to get away from the physical inventory, to be honest. However, I can't say no. The brand new Pirelli sitting in my basement that I just never used. I, you know, <coughs> uh, my, my goal is to really get rid of all physical inventory. But if it's profitable and over $50, it's still on the table. Um, but I think I have about 1,300 items that are under $50. So I'm trying to get rid of the low-dollar stuff. Yeah, and keep, sure. And get, you know, keep selling exhausts. Don't, don't sell books anymore. I'm done with that. I sold a lot of books, and I started with that product because all you have to do is look up the ISBN on the back, and you got all the information. It pre-populates. It's like 12 seconds to do to do that a book, and it's online. It's super simple, but it's not really profitable. Yeah, it's like, what's, the, what's the point? Next to nothing on that. However, um, you get a lot of feedback. Every single new sale is a potential feedback, you know? So that's how I have 913 positive feedbacks yeah. at eBay is from all of the reviews, all of the sales, not just the exhaust sales. So that's why I've kept it. And I've already done the work, so it's like, do I get rid of it now? And mm -hmm. should I donate it? Like, what's the right way to donate it? 1,300 items that are brand, that are good for sale. Like, that's a big tax write-off. If every single item is worth at least $5 oh, yeah, times $1,300, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah. And and it's also kind of hard to cut it off. It's like still another one to $500 every month of sales. So it's like, do I stop that? It's, it's, but that could be one or two drop ships. So it's like, where do you want to spend your time? Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> That's a struggle, right? Like I don't know. I, I'm just talking. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I do the same thing. It's like, all right, I'm making all these mini bike parts, spending all this time to, like, you know, reverse engineer this, develop it, do all this fixturing and stuff. There's no way I could sell it for what I would sell a normal, like, tool and die job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. The one-off. Yeah. I mean, versus... I mean, and if you look up a, a dress-up kit for 50 you can get one on Amazon or, or on eBay or whatever for less than $50, probably. You know right. what I mean? Like, one of the pieces is probably going to cost you $50, <laughs> you know? It's like... It's <clears throat> tough. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to go, like you said, you got to go for that market, right? So mm -hmm. the guys I'm going for are not going to have a problem spending a couple hundred dollars on a full, you know what I mean, dress-up kit. Especially if they know that, I mean, most of them know me from, like you said, from the organization or whatever, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, all of my, all of my business growth has been organic. Okay. So. Not paying for ads? Nope. Nope. It's all either, like, past employers I've had or word of mouth, people I've met through motorcycles that know I also do machine stuff, you know, like, I get, I have no shortage of cash jobs that people are like, hey, can you machine my my wheels or my car hubs, or, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, this, all kinds of stuff like that, you it's know. It's pretty cool. 
Sure, I'm sure you get a, a lot of different um, jobs, so it, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I love what I do. I don't. <laughs> I don't have any complaints there, you know. And like I said, I work for myself too. So it's like, do I want to spend my time today working on developing? I don't know something for my business. A web working on my website, mm -hmm. you know, or do I want to go ride my mountain bike for an hour? You know what sure, I mean? And yeah. work on myself. Like to have that freedom <clears throat> is so valuable. It is, but it's also a struggle sometimes, too, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, find balance. Yeah. But then other people say, there's no balance. Like, you talk to Grant Cardone, one of those type of guys. Don't know. Go, go, go. He's like, uh, you need to be a millionaire tomorrow, type of oh. guy. He's like, yeah. a, he's like a Gary V type of guy. Yeah. Uh, a little older, I think. Um, he bought a jet, you know. Yeah, Tony Robbins, one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, he's like, super go-getter. And, it, and uh, he's got a book called 10X. Whatever you're doing right now, 10X it. You need oh, 10 okay. times whatever you're doing right now to get massive action, massive results. I'm like, I'm, Sounds like I'm, a good way to die from a massive heart attack at I'm 60. exhausted already. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, yeah, no. So, like, know. yeah, there's there's that part of it. But there's also, like, I, I just read, an, I listened to another audiobook called, like, Letting Go. And, it, and that all they're talking about is, like, don't force it. Don't do 10x. Just let it happen. And if it's not happening, maybe you should try another way. I'm I kind of much more of that. Like, uh, you know what? I'm I've learned a long time ago that life is not about like having having the end result, like having the goal. I guess like you know you save up for that motorcycle for however long you finally get all your you know five thousand dollars and you're gonna go buy this new to me motorcycle and it's like all right now I got this bike and it's like well. What's next? You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like you're always searching for the next thing. People yeah, never are satisfied. You need to learn how to enjoy working towards that thing. I guess is is my thing. Like yeah. So you need to find what makes you happy to work on. I guess. You know, I heard a quote. I already said it on here one time, but it was many episodes ago. <coughs> um, somebody was saying Matthew McConaughey. I think it was. He said, "I, I hope." Everybody achieves everything that they ever wanted so that they realize it's not everything. The Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, it's profound because everybody thinks that they, if they're successful, they have a lot of money, that they'll be happy. But you look at guys like Chester Bennington. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of individuals money, in that yeah. category. No, definitely money is not the answer to everything. You know, if you're not, if you're not happy making hundred thousand dollars a year you're not going to be happy making a million dollars a year i don't think like if you can't learn yeah. how to be happy with like a moderate level of success i don't think you're going to be any happier with an extreme level of success and personally. i wouldn't i wouldn't say financially anyways yeah. you know and i wouldn't even say a hundred thousand is moderate that's like that's almost extreme for most people right i guess yeah <laughs> i mean i mean like the the poverty line or the average person makes like thirty forty thousand dollars a year you know yeah. Like, oh, so this is crazy. Talk about wages. There's a, a car wash near here that's hiring at $16 an hour for a car wash, for pressing buttons on a machine that already works for you or wiping down cars after they're coming well, out of the pressure washer. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. And there's uh, there are McDonald's locations that are paying $50 to show up for an interview. Just to show up, because we we have a. Uh, you can't find anybody right now. We have 
this job opening, they just filled it with somebody that who's in a different position. So they kind of filled it. But um, ten interviews and one person shows up, and the one person who shows up is not even qualified. You know, not even close. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, when I was hiring for my business for a physical employee here, it was it was really hard to get even people to show up. And I get that it's a part time job out of somebody's basement. That's maybe a little bit more difficult. But this is like a multi million dollar business that's a hundred employees in three buildings. Yeah. You can't get someone to show up for that. You know, like we one day we had thirty people not show up to work. That's like a mutiny. Like how does that happen? Thirty people. That's crazy. I don't know. I'm like, Harry, I uh, I don't know if you know Harry Hawk, but yeah, I think I met him, yeah. Um he he's got a tree company. He can't find anybody right now. You know what I mean to save his life. I mean it's the, it's the same across the board. It's crazy, and I mean I'm like I said I'm in the machining business. You know what I mean. And what I see, I mean, I I see it on both ends, right? So I quote jobs, and I know what these companies are out there paying, and so I know what these other companies are quoting. And it's like how do you guys, how are you guys running a business on sixty dollars? Well, you quote everything at sixty dollars an hour. You got to pay. Rent, utilities, insurance, wages, right? So that guy is getting paid eighteen dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour to like to run a machine to do math to hopefully make <laughs> good parts all day. Yeah. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of businesses that just aren't making any money. That are just like hoping one day they will, and they have somebody, maybe they have some sort of uh, bank account or or investor. Or really big hope in their well, pocket. Right I now, know. I think the government's coming along and giving them all. Yeah, they're helping them out yeah. for sure. But like this, this brings to mind Spotify. Been in business for I don't know two decades, long time, right? Everybody knows music company. Um, they are a, a three hundred million dollar gross revenue generating company every year. They are not profitable. If you're an, if you are yeah. a hundred million dollar well, company and you're Amazon still not profitable, not profit for like how long? that's okay, I guess. If I'm not profitable today, right? Well, <laughs> and you can still take home a salary without your company being profitable. Sure. Yeah, I'm trying not to though because um, you want to grow the company. In yeah, I want right? to. I'm right. trying to. Uh, like, I'm okay. I have a normal job, and I have renters. So uh, I'm all right right now. I'm living off of that, trying to save as much as possible and not take a paycheck because then I gotta pay taxes on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would I pay taxes on money that's already mine? Oh, sorry. All right. Sweet relief. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, so uh, I was admiring your knife there. Yeah, the the cricket. I like a I like a tanto tip like the okay. The flat one on that. I got a uh, SOG. Search and operations guide or something. Rigid. Yeah. I like the uh, the window breaker on the end there. Yeah, carbide uh, steel tip. Got a liner lock. That's nice. Yeah, I mean... It's a $30 knife. And a seatbelt cutter. A seat belt oh, cutter. is that what that is? Yep. Nice. That's a fishing line cutter. But I guess <laughs> that too, it would work both ways. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, if you just smash this, it'll break. Like, I've done it before and I tested it. it, it yeah. This is uh, stronger than steel, stronger than like titanium, carbide. Yeah. 
They um, said all the cutting tools yeah. for the machines anyway. So. It's pretty cool. I've uh, poked myself pretty good with it many times. Yeah. Don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Cut my, cut my other pants with it. Put it in my pocket. Oh, and poked it on <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Because it's at the bottom, you know? But um, Oh, gotcha. I carry it every day for like a couple of years. Nice. Um, I use it. I use that tip, actually, all the time for opening boxes. Because you don't have to open the blade anymore. You just use the tip and just, there you go. Like the tape right it's, open. It's safer. Yeah, you know? for sure. And then yeah, you don't yeah. wreck your product below it. Yeah, so like, you know, Instagram, like the custom knives, like custom machine knives were all a thing, right? Where dudes are doing like Damascus steel for all like the blade handles and stuff like that. And like yeah. $1,200 knives. And yeah. Like, uh, which is crazy, but that I, I kind of feel like, especially if you're doing machining, that's the market you want to be in, right? Like, yeah. For sure. Huge markups for a high-end product, you know. And uh, I was looking, well, that's already been done, but what about, like, a ultra-high-end box cutter? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> for some baller dude who drop ships, you know, like... Yeah, why not? <laughs> gold bricks or something, like... Hell, yeah. <laughs> Man, I've seen those... There's pictures of, like... Who is it? Like, Daffy Duck, like, swimming through money? Like, what's that? Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. You know, like, swimming through money, like, with a $100 bill on the side? Like, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know if I want that in my house, but... <laughs> it looks nice. looks like you, you like money, right? Put it right there. Yeah, exactly. Right next to the sewer pipes. Yep. <laughs> High end. I just need, a like, a kiddie pool, right? Fill that with, like, the chocolate... The chocolate coins. <laughs> you nice. go swimming in that. Yeah. Then you'd be balling. Yep. It's all about perception <laughs> yeah. these days, right? It really is. People think, like, I'm running a business. You might have a storefront, right? You you have a location. Well, it's oh, out right. of my basement. No one cares. Yeah. I've shipped 2,500 orders to all 50 states, and I don't even know the number of countries anymore. 40 or 50 countries just now. And uh, sold over 100 grand on eBay. Um Awesome. I just need that to be in a shorter period of time. Yeah, I was going to say, every couple of months, it'd be yeah. perfect. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. But that's over, like, a couple of years. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I know a guy who did that. Uh, I worked with a guy. He was selling, like, uh, uh, Chevy Chase merchandise. Was oh, like yeah? National Super Lampoon. specific, yeah. Yeah, like, stuff like that. But he made, like... He, he, like, took the day off work one time because he made, like, $10,000 in a year, like, <laughs> in the winter selling Chevy Chase stuff. And yeah. it's like, all right, cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, pretty cool to uh, to sell to, like, Slovakia and Australia and Russia and New Jersey and California and also be working a normal job and, like... Yeah. So how do you work the international shipping stuff? What do you do? How do you... Like, quote, and that kind of, so like, who do you do, who do you use for international? So, the majority of the international, I'd say, is DHL. Yeah. DHL is by far the, the cheapest. Um, Canada, too? Most of the time, I'd say so. Um, I get really great rates, um, since I have a higher volume, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, they change as how much you sell, they give you different numbers and all that. Um, and then, I, I'm always the guy who pushes everything. That's the best rate you got. Yeah. I'm just gonna go to FedEx, you know. And yeah, then, oh, yeah, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa! How about this rate? Okay, really? Is that the best? You know, is that the best price you can give me? Worst they're gonna say is no. And yeah, then you yeah. hang up the phone, and call like, someone else. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I don't have a problem doing that, and uh, it's worked very well in my favor because you you get your rates increased and or prices decrease, I guess. But um, 
Yeah, DHL's big, but selling through Amazon or selling through eBay, you really you get their um, you get their pricing. So eBay and Amazon yeah. get get the best pricing ever because they have the highest volume through their network. So um, like my vendor, some of my some of my vendors, I send them labels labels for international tracking because I get better rates since I sell them through eBay and Amazon most of the time. Huh. Okay. And uh, since I do that, it'll be dramatically cheaper than if it were using my rates. Really? Like my personal rates. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if I sell something through my website, shopbsr.com, then I would have to go. I use a third party, um, which I would recommend to you, highly recommend to anybody, um, goshippo.com. Now, you don't have to use that particular one. That's one I chose. But there's, like, ShipStation. There's a bunch of different ones um, that are a shipping aggregate. So yeah, you I use pirate ship for like USPS. Sure, like, you probably know similar. I mean? like, yeah, so kind of what I do is I put in my login for USPS. I link my accounts for USPS, UPS, FedEx, DHL. And then they have their own that they have accounts for. And so you get all their rates. You get all my rates. And then it will give you the cheapest price for all of the different ones. Cause oh, I don't nice. care so how it goes. Shop, yeah, it will shop whoever. It will shop the rates for you basically. Exactly. Yeah. So if the customer chooses economy shipping or standard shipping i'm just going to ship it as, as cheap as possible mm-hmm. so you didn't you don't care yeah, yeah, yeah. and so then i'll just uh ship it as cheap as possible use any carrier out of the four or so or maybe five and then um i'll save money like th- sometimes by just checking it uh i'll save like 16 dollars on a single shipment or more like if it's a tire there were times where i was shipping tires uh, figuring out how to ship the tire the right way yeah and saving like 32 dollars from shipping it from one carrier to the other like that's a that's the difference of uh, breaking even or losing money. Like it, yeah. it's a it's a deal breaker. So well, yeah, that, I mean usually I'm just charging everybody shipping, so it's like all right, how do I quote this and yeah. like so I want to be fair to everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I don't want to. I'm not going to pay for the shipping, you know what I mean? Like normally on almost all of my listings, they're free shipping. Yeah. In domestic U.S. You pretty much have to if you want to sell online like you're doing. Yeah, you which have. Which I have no business. Like I don't I don't have any. Any interest in doing, like, retail, <laughs> high-end retail sales, like yeah. having a fucking store or anything like that, I'm like, mm, I'm good with dealing with the general public. Um, I am looking, so I was looking into doing, being a dealer for the YCF okay. bikes, yeah. any bikes. Like I said, I ordered eight of them. That's a, that's a brand of bikes, yes. YCF? Yep, they do mini-motos, so it's a French company. They sell Chinese, they're made in China, but they do, like, all the engineering and branding and stuff like that. Um, and apparently in Europe they have like a pretty good following for supermodel stuff. Like okay, I've, I think I've seen the brand. I've heard of the stuff. brand. Yeah. Um, I was so actually I think looking at those like, what are these and why is nobody on these? They are. They're sold they're out. Cheap, right? They're, they're sold out. Yeah, it's three grand for a 190, which should be like competitive with a 150R. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, actually the the 150 I'm looking at, those are about 5200 brand new. Yeah. So those those are like two grand cheaper, right? Yeah. A couple thousand cheaper. Yeah. Those uh, the one ninety is thirty three hundred dollars I think, and the one fifty five is like twenty two hundred dollars. Okay. I want to say out the door like you <laughs> tax know. title license. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, like I said, I'm working on that with them. Apparently, another dealer in the area was like, hey. They're not a real dealer. 
And so they came back and were like, oh, you need a dealer license and you need a showroom and 30 hours of open business. And I'm like... You're getting the runaround too, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, hold on. When I talked to the owner, he said all I had to do was buy six motorcycles, right? <laughs> yeah. And then now you guys, since somebody else complained, are giving me a hard time about it. Okay. Bye. <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, so uh, they came back and were like, you know, you need all this 30 hours dealer license and all that stuff. So basically, you know, push everything. I'm like, well, all right, well, fuck you. I'm going to go get a dealer's license now. So yeah. I'm in the process of doing all doing all that stuff, right? So What's that like? What's the process of that? Uh, I mean, right now I need to go to the city and get zoning to make sure that they're going to approve me. So I'm in light industrial. Do you actually have different zoning for dealerships? Yes. Yeah, so I think that wants to be generally, they want that to be, I forget what they call it, but it's like general sales. Okay. Like, uh, you can go to the city and pull up the map, right? And it's pretty obvious that, like, all the car dealerships are all, like, along, like, Grossbeck and Hall Road, like, the major roads, right? Sure. And then, like, all the white industrial stuff is, like, zoned, and that's all welding businesses and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think if I went to the township and was like, look, I want to run a, just a small showroom for, like, off-road dirt bikes and stuff like yeah. that. I run a machine shop in the back, so I'm working on them. You can have a repair shop. Yeah. That's not a problem. Okay. So I don't see any problem with me having a dealership. It's just expanding what you're already doing. And especially if I'm not storing cars outside. Like, yeah. I think that would be the big thing is, okay. like, if I was taking over the, yeah. the whole lot with cars. Sure. But Changing the landscape. Yeah. I think that would be an issue, but... You know, I don't they have like uh, ATVs sometimes and mini bikes and like ACOs and like hardware stores. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dealership, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but those are like in strip malls most of the time. Yeah, it's zoned for retail, so you can sure. do whatever. Yeah. So whatever there probably. Okay. But yeah, it's interesting. I never never thought about that. Yep. So you got to go and like uh, do that, and I think you need to have uh, a zone location be okay with the city you need to have a storefront with regular hours mm -hmm. um, you need you need to pass a background check you need to um, carry insurance and buy two dealer plates depending on which class of okay. dealer you want to yeah. but if you want to sell like new vehicles okay it was like you need to hold two dealer license plates Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm sure it'd be probably be cheaper than like my standard license plate yeah. that I already buy anyways, right. right? And I think it was. I think it was like fifty bucks for a year for like a dealer plate, and it's like, okay, well, sure. It's like a, I paid oh, like a hundred and fifty or now or whatever for my truck. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, so you're telling me you're giving me a discount? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, where can I go through? I'll jump through all those hoops. So. I'd like to, eventually I'd like to set it up where it's like a supermoto. I don't know of any supermoto specific dealership, right? I don't know of one, yeah. So somebody that sells enduro style bikes or dirt style bikes that are like street legal, ready to go. Yeah. Nobody does it. I see dudes all over the place riding like hooligans on the streets <laughs> yeah. on, their, on their dirt bikes, either with knobbies or with slicks on them, like yeah. whatever. You could, you could be um, the first in the country maybe. Maybe. I People mean, would be traveling all around the world. For yeah, to buy used old dirt bikes from me <laughs> with slicks on them. I like it. 
It's the American dream right there. Yep. I mean, it doesn't sound like I'm going to make a billion dollars or anything, but it'll be fun. That's okay. <laughs> you don't need a billion. You just need enough. No. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's all about finding that whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Chasing your dreams. For sure, man. Um, we're almost at an hour 54 right now. Sweet. So, uh, anything else? Any parting words for the world? What's your message for the world? Supermoto is the light. <laughs> <laughs> Come ride Supermoto. Smiles to dollars is through the roof. Right? All right. And uh, tell me about your, your plans for the coming days, coming weeks. Coming, coming weeks, coming months. So we've got um, a variety of events scheduled for Great Lakes Supermoto, mostly practices, like I said, track days. Um, we'll probably run some mock mock races for fun, you know, but it'll all be a bunch of grown men riding kids' <laughs> bikes around, you know. So we're just out there having a good time. Nobody's, you know, out there throwing block passes or, you know, getting hot-headed or whatever. We're just out there spinning some laps and having a good time and, you know, living the dream. <laughs> so. And uh, do people get, like, really cramped being on those bikes or they're – how does that work? It's moto yoga, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, some of the bigger guys complain about the 50s. Like taller or bigger weight? Yeah, like taller guys. Um but, I mean, a lot of them, they figure out how to tuck on there, you know. You kind of, like, tricycle it and get your knees out. and Sure. And if you're on a, even a 600, you're going to be cramped. You're trying to get as tight as possible anyway, so yeah. you're always going to be cramped, right? Yeah. The, uh, you know, for outdoor stuff, like the the 110 chassis really isn't bad. You know, and it's kind of, you can still do indoor stuff with the 110 as well as do the outdoor, like, uh Super, you know, supermoto, uh, minimoto events that we run, and so that's good balance between the two. I should, I mean, my next tax write-off I'm going for is the CRF 110. Start okay. making some parts for that. So, there you go. some, you know, hopefully sometime this year I'll grab one of those and start working on that. But and how do you decide the 110s the bike for you? Is it just a perfect amount of CCs and? Well, chassis? the CRF 110s are just so popular right now. With, I mean, not even like the mini supermoto stuff, just mini moto stuff in general. Yeah. That so it's good for you to have one to see what everybody's. Yeah. You know, I'm liking. gonna I'm gonna write it off yeah. and <laughs> and I can make parts for it. <laughs> so it's really a template bike. Yeah, I'll do R and D. I'll make triple clamps, and sliders, and stuff like that for it. And okay. Yeah, I mean they're those are EFI. You know what I mean now, and I think they got E start so like. That's the that's the one everybody's buying, you know, if they go to get a new 110. Yeah, they don't want to do the, the kickstart on those. It's a little bit easier. Yeah, you know, I think it's nice to just push press a button, button and go. <laughs> do you think it takes some a little bit of skill? I mean, is it, it's kind of skill, I guess, to start a bike. I mean, some people don't know how. Yeah, uh, a dirt bike for sure, like, it, and... All dirt bikes are different, right? Too. Yeah, their push point, their their kick engage point, yeah, kind of like uh, a clutch. Yeah. Well, I've got a 650R that, like, you probably can't even kick that thing over if you <laughs> wanted to. You got to like hit the decomp and put it at top dead center, and then jump on the thing, you know, to get <laughs> yeah. the thing to get it to kick over. And you better not be up there twisting the throttle, or you're gonna squirt a bunch of gas in there and flood it and. Yeah. So yeah, you you gotta know what you're doing, and then, I mean, 
I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it just makes it more, I guess, accessible. Like, if my mom wanted to ride, she's not going to kickstart a bike, no. probably. No. You know, but she might... Especially when she tips it over on the side of the trail, and then yeah. it's hot, yeah. and then it's flooded with gas, and then it doesn't want to start. <laughs> so if it's an electric start, it's a little bit more forgiving for the unexperienced rider, yeah. or just less work. My, my, or faster. Faster. My, uh, yeah, if you got to restart it. Yeah, I'll stall coming in the dirt in a corner. You know what I mean? You lock up the rear tire too much, and the motor just dies. Yeah. I don't have to kick it over. I just push the button. Right. But <laughs> can you kick it over if you wanted to? No. See, that's no the problem. It should be dual. It should be, you can kickstart it, but you can Agreed. also, like, especially, you know, for a race bike, like, who cares, right? You want the, the lightest possible. The lightest yeah. maximum parts that don't break or whatever. Right. But for a trail bike, Absolutely, <laughs> I do not want to rely on a battery all the For time. For sure, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Can you bump start those? Yes. I mean, the slipper clutch makes it hard to bump start, yeah. for sure, but like a normal normal bike, you can't. You got a yeah. slipper clutch on a dirt bike? Yeah, it's a supermoto. I've bro. never owned a dirt bike. Yeah, supermoto. So, I didn't even have a slipper clutch on my 2009 600 race bike that I raced for four years. I didn't have a slipper clutch on that bike. And I, I upgraded to the Triumph, and I was like, oh, wow, this is what it's like, supposed yeah. to feel like in the corners. It's not supposed to be jumping all over the place on braking? Do you have an R6? I had a Kawasaki. Okay. Kawi. Yep. 636. It was. It was a, well, the first one I had was a 636. The second one was a 600, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it was a fast bike, man. It was, uh, it was 06, 636, 09, 600. Okay. And then they stopped, they started doing the 636s again, I think, 13. Yeah, thirteen to that's I think they're still doing Current it. Yeah. Still, I think, yeah, sixteen to twenty-one or thirteen to twenty-one, and and uh, still going on. So <laughs> I think my next bike will be my next big bike will be a six hundred Cowie. Yeah, you know everybody's on the Yamahas, but I'm I'm different. I'm all, I've always been different. You gotta, you gotta do something else. I've huh? never rode a, a Yamaha, <clears throat> not one time, not around the block or anything. So you know I'll probably be fine on any bike. I don't yeah. think it really matters what bike I'm on. I've been on the Triumph, and that's very different from the Kawasaki. It's a triple instead of a four-cylinder, so it's really great in the corners, but really torquey, and you got a short shift. So I didn't like that so much. I like screaming the bike, at the red line, and then you shift. You know, yeah. it's just that seems like how it's supposed to be. But every bike's got different characteristics. Yeah, wait till you ride a 450, and you're like, oh, my God, I can just loft the front wheel everywhere I want to. (laughs) All the torque in the world. Just only one wheel everywhere? All right. (laughs) Fifth gear, float the front? Sure. (laughs) You're spinning the tire in fifth gear. That's a problem, huh? I mean, depending on the corner. like (laughs) It's possible. So we are over two hours. All right. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it up and do something else. Thank you for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me out. And I'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right.